Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of October 5th, 2023, including Epic makes layoffs that affect 16% of their total staff, Creative Assembly developed Hyenas has officially been canceled, Elder Scrolls has a surprise new mobile game coming soon, and more. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2014, nine years ago, Skylanders Trap Team was released for the Xbox One and Xbox 360. Man, oh man, 2014 was nine years ago. Uh, okay, not going to dwell on the year because I do that too often, but Skylanders, that's a that's a video game series I actually have a great amount of regret having not played because I never owned any of the Skylanders games. And I know you might be thinking, but Jesse, Activision, Toys, Aimed at Children, Disney adjacent. How did you not end up playing this game? This is so you. I know, I know, I know. I feel like a, a fucking idiot, man. But yeah, I remember when the first Skylanders came out in, what was that, like 2011, 2010, 2011? Maybe not, like 2011, right? I think when the first Skylanders came out, I remember like like everyone, I had that knee-jerk reaction. I was like, oh, what the hell did they do to Spyro? But then like once you get over the fact that it's like, hey, boomer from the 90s, this, this game isn't about you. It's not about getting you to like Spyro. It's about taking the character Spyro and finding a way to reinvent him and build a brand new video game franchise that has nothing to do with Spyro to appeal to a new generation of kids. And once you get over that initial gatekeeping kind of asshole, knee-jerk, what did they do to Spyro attitude, the game I thought looked pretty cool. It looked like a fun little beat-em-up kid game. I thought the Toys to Life idea was really unique. Remember, Skylanders is really the game that's like credited with creating the Toys to Life style game. And I remember going to a Fry's Electronics. Shout out to Fry's Electronics. Also, rest in peace, Fry's Electronics. I think the pandemic finally took them out. But uh, I remember going to a Fry's Electronics and seeing the first Skylanders there. They had like a little demo kiosk of the game on Wii. And I remember playing it being like, I could see myself getting into this. And then I just didn't let it happen. And then when Disney Infinity came out like two years later, I mean, the rest is history. I was all up Disney Infinity's asshole basically until that until years after that game got canceled and shut down. So, I mean, Disney Infinity was definitely my obnoxious toys to life. I'm going to buy all these plastic hunks of nothingness and uh, and uh, pump $300 into one video game that's kind of shallow in terms of gameplay. But, God, boy, did I love Disney Infinity. But looking back, I have so much regret having not played Skylanders because I'm sure those games were good. And apparently Trap Team and Giants, I believe, are considered, like, two of the better ones. So I always, yeah, I always look back and go, man, I wish I played these because... Unlike most regular video games, Toys to Life is kind of like Guitar Hero and those other kinds of party-style games that require peripherals or physical accessories or whatever in order to engage with. Because if you kind of miss the era in which these games happen, that's kind of it. The boat sails and you got to move on, you know? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think it would have the same effect for today's kids to, like, go back and play Guitar Hero 3 and be like, this is what we used to play 15 years ago. This shit was amazing. Because it's just, I don't know, it's kind of, the magic's lost, but... Even then, even even if that's not the case, the the harder part is just you can't you can't really buy these games once they're over. Like once production stops, it's like you can't buy the base that plugs in your Xbox anymore. You can't buy the action figures that go with the game. If you try to go and buy these starter packs that used to cost 60, 70 bucks back in the day, 
I mean, the only way to get them is to find them on eBay, resold for like $300. It's outrageous. It's really hard. That's if you can even find someone selling them. Like, this stuff gets really difficult to find. And that's why I've held on to my Disney Infinity stuff because, I mean, that stuff's going down with me. I want to be buried with my goddamn Lightning McQueen Disney Infinity. Don't get me wrong. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks. Every time I go to an antique store or, like, a thrift store or just occasionally I'll peruse, like, eBay or something like that, you can't find, like, an old Skylanders game anymore. They're just – it's like it's it's like freaking – gold trying to find that crap so shout out to skylanders i'm sure lots of kids who are now oh my god here's the scary thing i am sure that lots of kids or people who people who were children in 2014 10 years old or whatever are now college students today who look back on games like skylanders trap team or skylanders giants and they're like they're like fucking smoking pot in their college dorm room and banging three girls going, oh, I remember when I was 10 years old and I used to play Skylanders Trap Team for the Xbox One and Xbox 360 released on this day in Xbox history nine years ago. And I'm over here hyperventilating in the corner because I'm like, all right, guys, Halo 3 is not that old. I mean, it's only like three Halos ago if you don't if you don't count Reach and, and all the and all the Wars games. And I mean, it's just it's a scary it's a scary thought for me. But nonetheless, shout out to Skylanders and shout out to Xbox on for of course, being the podcast that can burn five fucking minutes talking about uh, Skylanders, but can't but can't like make it through more than like a 60 second conversation on Mortal Kombat one because I'm just not versed enough, interested enough or uh, honestly just educated even remotely enough to talk about real video games that uh, older video game players who would listen to a video game podcast might want to hear about. So unfortunately, you get stuck with the man going, guys, 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 the new Sonic game is going to be awesome. It's up to four players, local and online co-op. Let me tell you about some of the, the party modes and, and why it's totally worth your money to upgrade to the deluxe edition. But uh, whatever. Listen, yeah, there's a lot of Xbox podcasts out there. If you don't like the guy who's going to who's gonna just drone on and on about toys to life and Sonic the hedgehog then maybe you can find one of the other ones where they talk about they talk about real games like Baldur's gate a game where where bald people gatekeep balding this is already like a one out of five episode right now so let's try to redeem it a little bit by just moving on into the notable game releases of the week hello everybody welcome to xbox on let's talk about some notable games coming out this week in the uh ongoing in the ongoing march to make 2023 the most stressful year of, uh, of any video game player's life, uh, we have not one, not two, but three pretty high-profile notable games to talk about this week that are that have either just launched or about to just launch or whatever. So Assassin's Creed Mirage is officially out today. Uh, this is a big deal because if you're a long-time Assassin's Creed fan, this is the return-to-form game that kind of strips away all the Witcher-style, open-world, crazy Assassin's Creed-ness that we've been getting over the past five-plus years and kind of brings the series back to, uh, or at least in, in some sense, brings the series back to what it was during the old Xbox 360-era heyday of Assassin's Creed. So the reviews are in. I think it's got somewhere like a C-plus, B-minus kind of review on Metacritic. It seems like it's doing... Pretty okay. Most people's reaction is like, hey, this game's pretty good. If you liked old Assassin's Creed, you'll like this game. If you think this game's going to light the world on fire, it's not. And that's, I don't know, like, what more could you freaking want? I, 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 I don't know. Again, I can talk to you for 20, 30, 50 minutes about Skylanders. No problem. Even though I never played the game, I have a whole lot to say about it. But Assassin's Creed Mirage... Dude, I, I have successfully avoided every Assassin's Creed game like The Plague. It's just a series that means nothing to me. I, it, it's never even... And everyone's always like, What? You've never played Assassin's Creed? Bro, bro, you at least played Brotherhood, man. Like, tell me you at least... Oh, you had to have at least played Assassin's Creed 2. 
No, I, I fucking didn't, actually. I, it, it's, it's insane how easy it was. So back in 2009 or whatever the fuck these games came out, here's what I was doing. I was just not playing Assassin's Creed. It was so profoundly easy to say, do I ask mom to drive me to GameStop so I can sell all my fucking video games in hopes that I can scrap up enough GameStop credit to buy one Assassin's Creed game that I don't want to play, or do I just not fucking play Assassin's Creed? And that is the path I chose every time a new Assassin's Creed game out came out. I literally just didn't play it. That's it's, it's not that hard to conceive, man. But yes, I get that. I get that that knee jerk. Oh, you never played this, oh uh, bro. But Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you gotta play that. It's different. It's better because it can take two hundred fucking hours of your life from you. It's amazing, bro. Well, guess what? I didn't play Assassin's Creed 1 through 75. And um, with that said, I'm not going to play Assassin's Creed Mirage. The game looks, pr don't get me wrong, the graphics look pretty. I'm sure a lot of people put hard work into it. I'm sure there's a lot to love about these games that I'm missing out on. But that's fine. If I wanted to waste 50 hours of my life on another Ubisoft game, I would just go play Far Cry, which I probably will because I, I like Far Cry a lot. But Assassin's Creed Mirage. It is, uh, it is, it's nice to see them kind of go back to their roots a little bit. I, I think the game looks fun for what it's worth. Uh, I don't know. Closest I ever came to giving Assassin's Creed a try was, uh, was Assassin's Creed 3. Because I was like, that, that looks, that genuinely looks like a good game. And then everyone's like, nah, this game sucks. I'm like, all right, fuck you. <laughs> I guess I'm not giving Assassin's Creed a try. But, uh, anyway, shout out to that. So, I know that's a big one for a lot of people. Especially if you're, if you're of my age range. You're, you know, I'm over here getting nostalgic and teary-eyed over Guitar Hero 4, Left 4 Dead, and Sonic Unleashed. You are probably getting teary-eyed for big boy games like Mass Effect and Assassin's Creed 2 and Modern Warfare 2. And I don't know what else did people play back in those days. I mean, we all loved Halo. God bless Halo. But, uh, yeah, so that ha that happened. Second notable game of the week, and we really don't have to talk about this one much because I think I get a pass for not caring about this one, which is NHL 24. My understanding is that the NHL games have gotten good again. I know there was a period not too long ago where they were kind of like not so good, but I think in the past three or four years they've gotten good again, if my understanding is correct. So if you're a big hockey fan, NHL 24 is out this uh, Thursday, Friday, no, Friday, the, the 6th. So, Series X, Series S, and Xbox One. There's your annualized hockey game for all you sports fans out there. And then the last game that we I mentioned, uh, um, a little bit of a little bit of a cheat because the game's not out this Thursday, but you can play it starting this Thursday if you bought the premium edition or are a Game Pass subscriber and upgraded to the early access deluxe upgrade, whatever the fuck they're calling it. Forza Motorsport, big Xbox game, actually last big Xbox exclusive of the year. That's coming for some motorsport. So yes, the official street date, no pun, no pun intended, is Tuesday, uh, October 10th. So this upcoming Tuesday, the game actually comes out. But much like Starfield or Gears 5 or Forza Horizon 5 or any basic modern Xbox game, they always offer the way the uh, the option to play the game about five days early if you buy the most expensive version of the game. So Forza Motorsport, obviously the standard edition is the regular $70, but they have a deluxe edition that's $90, and then they have a premium edition that's $100, so for $10 more than the deluxe edition, and that's the version that gets you five-day early access to the game. However, much like they did with Starfield, if you are a Game Pass subscriber and you're not going to buy the $70 game because you, you, you know, you, you have your Game Pass subscriber, but you still want that early access, well, you can pay $40 for all the upgrade premium content, and then you'll have access to the base game through your Game Pass subscription. So, 40 bucks gets you in the door at the minimum, or if you want to own the game, you can do it for $99. But yeah, Forza Motorsport is 
technically playable as of the time you're listening to this podcast. Exciting news. This is the, um, this one, you know, it's been a long ass time since we've got a proper Forza Motorsport game. So, and, and this is the one that's basically kind of a fresh slate restart Forza games as a service platform style Forza, as opposed to just the next entry in, in the Forza Motorsport series. So I'm actually pretty eager to get into this. It's been a while. It's been a couple entries since I've really given Forza the old college try. And I am quite in the mood. I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know, everyone's got those hobbies that kind of ebb and flow. There's those hobbies that are like all the time. I'm always in the mood for this. That's like, that's like gaming or theme parks for me. It's like, those are like my main hobbies that I'm always in the mood for a hundred percent of the time. And then like, Cars is one of those hobbies where it's like it ebbs and flows. There are times where I'm like really interested in car shit and then I just don't care. But Forza Motorsports hitting at a good time because I'm kind of into car shit right now. So I'm really feeling this. I'm really looking forward to giving this game a go next week. Uh, but I will not be playing uh, paying for that early access because, quite frankly, there's just there's just too much other shit to do right now that's gladly keeping me distracted. So I don't I don't need to do that. But yeah, I mean the the reviews are in. Looks like the game is reviewing quite well. It's got an 85 on as of the time I'm recording this on Wednesday night. It's got an 85 Metacritic score for Xbox. It's got a 84 score for PC, which is completely arbitrary. This is just an aggregate based on. Uh, the various reviews of different outlets all added up and averaged out. Um, although apparently it's not an even average because apparently some critics get weighed heavier than others, depending on how arbitrarily important you are, uh, are deemed. So uh, a review from like an IGN matters a whole lot more than like a, a review from, I don't know, like a windows central or something. So I don't know. Uh, there you go. Forza Motorsport. It's good. I think a lot of the criticism is some lacking features and modes that have traditionally been in this series that aren't there at launch, as well as just an overall slim amount of content. It just seems like the game is really good, but it's not launching what a lot of people would consider content complete. But I don't know. I feel like that's that's everyone's criticism about every game in the modern era, and I'm just not I'm not familiar enough with Forza to know what we're, what they're skimping out on or what we're missing here. So I'm, I'll, I'll report back in a week or two, I guess next week, by the time it's out, I really won't have a whole lot of time to sit with it before we record next week's podcast. So probably talk about it a little bit next week. And then the week after that, we'll talk about it more in depth after I've really gotten to sit down with it and play it some more. But I am very much looking forward to some more Forza Motorsport, although I can't imagine I'll play maybe more than 10, 15 hours of this game because I mean, we're working on some games right now, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then we're in October, baby. We're so close to Alan Wake 2 and Sonic Superstars. Fuck you. Nothing else to talk about here, baby. Those, Dude, between those two games, I love you, Starfield. I love you so very much. I love you more than I love most games. Starfield, you're a very good girl, and I would like to kiss you on, on, the, on the cheeks right now. Um, but Alan Wake 2, Sonic Superstars, oof. Starfield, you got some tough competition this year, so I'm very much looking forward to some games coming later this month. But that's it for notable game releases of the week, and then we can just roll right into corrections, of which we have none, so we'll just blaze right past that motherfucker into the stories of mild amusement updates, corrections, and all that sort of deal from last week. If I'm just being completely blatantly honest with you guys, it is a bit of a slow news week this week. It is. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't make the news. If it was... if, if, I, if I, Listen... Last week, we just had, like, 25 years of Xbox plans and ideas leaked, okay? Is that not enough for you? Is it okay that this week just ends up being a little slow? Maybe the guys at Xbox aren't feeling really up to the task of making big, exciting announcements. They just had, they just had like, a decade's worth of work spilled out in one accident, one, one accidental upload and click of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a button, of a button. That's probably how they say in Canada, a button. They don't call it a button. 
pray for Canada. Anyway, our first one here, Bethesda, late last week, surprised launched a new mobile game set in the Elder Scrolls universe. Available in early access for Android now, the Elder Scrolls Castles appears to be a Fallout Shelter-style simulation game. Quote, from Bethesda Game Studios, the award-winning developer behind Skyrim Fallout Shelter uh, comes... The Elder Scrolls Castles, a new mobile game that puts you in control of your very own castle and dynasty, reads the game's Google Play Store listing. Oversee your subjects as the years come and go. Families grow and new rulers take the throne. Bethesda's previous mobile release includes releases include 2015's construction and management sim Fallout Shelter, 2017's digital card game The Elder Scrolls Legends, and 2019's RPG The Elder Scrolls Blades, all of which are free-to-play games. Yeah, I did not notice. I, I, I never, I don't remember Elder Scrolls Legends. No, I do remember. And that game shut down. That game doesn't exist anymore. That sucks. Because uh, I'm kind of in a little bit of a card, like a card battle mood. So, oof. I'm, oh, we'll talk about that later. But, ooh, that would be, that sounds good right now. I would like to play an Elder Scrolls card game, like a Hearthstone Elder Scrolls. I would, I would very much like that. I, I, I slept on that. I missed it. Let's not think about it. Anyway. Basically, Elder Scrolls version of Fallout Shelter is here, it's happening, it's going to come to iOS and Android, but for right now, it's only in an early access beta type mode, specifically for Android users, it's one of the good things about Android is generally when games go in like a early access period, those things happen on Android. I don't know if iOS can't do that, or if Apple doesn't allow it, or what the situation is, or maybe it happens sometimes and I'm not aware of it, but... It always seems like when a mobile game has like an early access or a beta thing, it's only ever on Android. I don't, I don't fucking know. It doesn't matter. Nobody likes mobile gaming enough to really give a shit about this. But um, yeah. So immediately after I saw this news, I went over to the Google Play Store on my on my Android device, and I tried to download it, and it said, uh, "Thanks, but uh, we're we're currently full." It says uh, it says request to join. Uh, are currently full. We're not accepting anyone else at this time. So I could not get in. I have not been able to play it. I've not been able to even look at it. In fact, my Android device has told me that's using the front-facing selfie camera to monitor my every move and that if I so much as watch a YouTube video explaining Elder Scrolls castles in great detail, they will strike me down. It says, it says quote, so help me God, I will strike you down. That's what my phone says right now to me. So I, I'm, I haven't looked it up. I'm not watching it. Please, Google or Samsung or whoever's doing this to me, don't get mad. But um, yeah, I mean, this is this is appropriate. I feel like, right? It's it's not super exciting. I feel like maybe this idea makes a little bit more sense for Fallout Shelter. Like it kind of fits that IP a little better. But I don't think this is too much of a stretch to do an Elder Scrolls version, but castles and with different dynasties and things like that. So I don't know. It sounds fun. It sounds cool. And uh, what it really reminds me of, because there's another mobile game we'll talk about later in the show, but with less to really say about it. That um has got me thinking about, well, it's an Activision-related mobile game, and um, Activision Blizzard, and it's just got me thinking, it's like, yeah, this, I, I really do believe, at first I thought it was kind of lip service, but I really do believe more and more, as time goes on, that so much of why Xbox wants um, wants Activision and, and what their future goal is, is really to try and make themselves re relevant and viable in the mobile space. And this is that kind of stuff where it's like, none of us are really going to care about it for the most part. The majority of people listening to the show will just kind of roll their eyes at the idea of a new Elder Scrolls mobile game. Uh, myself included, I will probably download this game, play for seven minutes, delete it off my phone and never think about it again. But there is a much wider audience of players that will play this game, will spend tons of time on it, and will throw money at this game. And it will be probably pretty successful, like mobile games tend to be. Um, and, and that's the kind of shit 
that that's really drawing Xbox to some of these these publishers that they're acquiring. It's not just their awesome games that can help bolster the Xbox's first party lineup, which of course they desperately need and want, but it is also that that allure to be a actual an actual competitive player in the mobile space and we know xbox wants to build their own app store ecosystem within android um for xbox and for game pass and that's something they're working on and you can imagine a future where you have good xbox first party games that have mobile games on app apple's app store and and android and etc um as well as you got great bethesda games you got great blizzard and activision games cod mobile uh, all these kinds of things and they're in some kind of like launcher or xbox marketplace that lives on your phone of course that will never fucking happen on iphone because apple is so hell-bent on making sure you never experience anything that they didn't create but at least on android you'll be able to experience that and that will be something that theoretically could be so powerful for xbox in terms of making their brand more accessible to the many 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 millions in fact billions of users who have smart devices and who game and have access to games through their mobile phone so it's very clear that that is a huge driving force behind activision and a huge benefit and boon for them uh now that they have bethesda and zenimax and all that so i don't know it was just this this really made me think of that more than anything but other than that Elder Scrolls Castles, I don't know. I saw some screenshots. It looks fun. Again, like I said, when I do get the chance to play this, when maybe it's fully out and anyone can download it and give it a go, I'm going to download this game. I'm probably going to play it for about seven minutes. Maybe in the rare instance, this ends up being one of the mobile games that does come they speak to me, uh, but probably not. I'm actually in one of my mobile moods. It's very rare. Once or twice a year, I'll get in a little mood where I'm like, yeah, I'll play some mobile games, and I'm in one of those moods right now. So, man, if I could have played this game this week, it would have been just the perfect timing. Who knows? Maybe it would have grabbed me by the balls, and I'd, and I'd be sitting here saying, guys, Elder Scrolls Castles is so good. Do not sleep on it, my guy. Uh, but that's not what I'm saying to you. I'm saying uh, that space is currently full, and I cannot get in. So... Moving on, Minecraft Dungeons. We got some, uh, not really sad, sad news? I guess sad. Let's say sad. From VGC, Mojang have ended support for Minecraft Dungeons officially. Code developed by Microsoft-owned studio Double... Sorry, by the Microsoft-owned studio and Double Eleven. I was like, Microsoft doesn't know. Anyway. Uh, The multi-platform dungeon crawler spinoff was released in May of 2020. In a blog post published this past week, Mojang claimed... Or last week, Mojang claimed that the the title had reached a new milestone by surpassing 25 million unique players. It's also confirmed that last November's 1.17 patch was the game's final update and that the team now has moved on to new projects that continue to explore and ex- uh, other experiences in the Minecraft universe. Quote, this means that there are no new features or content updates planned for the game. We do intend to continue bringing new experiences to Minecraft's universe and give uh, our team the freedom to keep exploring those types of games that they're passionate about, just as they did with Minecraft Dungeons. So this doesn't mean that Minecraft Dungeons is going offline or being delisted or anything like that. It just means that the game's complete you know minecraft dungeons i i guess isn't intended to be a, a a perpetual games as a service type always evolving always available type thing the way traditional regular minecraft is but it but rather it's a it's a one-time release that got a bunch of dlc and supports and seasonal events like that so they're just saying that stuff has come to an end as they continue to work on regular minecraft and future minecraft games like minecraft legends which just recently came out and such like that but 25 million unique players is nothing you know that's nothing to sneeze at between game pass and then being on multiple platforms including uh you know pc and switch and playstation all that obviously this game had a large install base to penetrate Ooh, but um 
still, even even being all on all those platforms, 25 million is a very, very strong number. And it, it really makes me curious about how Minecraft Legends did because that game clearly reviewed worse, got a lot less buzz, and, and, and didn't light the world on fire the way Minecraft Dungeons did. Although Minecraft Dungeons, I remember when it came out a few years ago, it didn't seem to light the world on fire in the way that maybe we thought it would just because it's Minecraft. Uh, but Minecraft Dungeons, I think, definitely got a little bit more fanfare and love. And I definitely heard of more people who were like, yeah, Minecraft Dungeons is surprisingly pretty good. Ever since Minecraft Legends came out this year, I haven't heard a single fucking person say a word about it. I played the game for like three hours and thought, this is pretty good. And then just got distracted and didn't come back to it, but thought the game was pretty fine. But yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I think they're just moving on to new things. It's not, a, it's not like a good thing or a bad thing necessarily. It's just them saying like, hey... We're done supporting this game with new content. Time, you know, time to move on to the next thing. It would be like 343 saying, hey, we're done with Halo 5. We're moving on to Halo 6 slash infinite slash fuck you. We're still going to mess up the game. And, you know, it's not like a bad thing. It's just we're moving on to our next project. So it's a big milestone. It's a little bit sad because it's the end of an era. And Minecraft Dungeons is so good. It's actually the most fun I've ever played. I had with the Minecraft IP was playing Minecraft Dungeons. But that's okay. I'm sure most people are more than happy to experience new Minecraft stuff and more just regular Minecraft because that's, the, I mean, that's really the bread and butter of Mojang and this IP as a whole. So shout out to Minecraft Dungeons. You were a pretty damn good dungeon crawler. In fact, I, I enjoy this game. Not that it's really one-to-one -one with the likes of like a, like a Diablo or something like that, but as far as like top-down perspective, isometric style brawler, dungeon, whatever type games go, this was the one that always kind of fit my play style a little more. I like the more casual cartoony artsy fun variant that this game offered so shout out to minecraft dungeons and also shout out to the arcade variant of this game which i found only at one arcade before it was an arcade at universal uh in orlando for some reason that was the only place i ever found it but it was a pretty damn cool arcade cabinet it was um a four-player arcade cabinet kind of like uh, halo fire team raven um but when you played the game you would get a card like a physical card and then it was like a different Minecraft character, like a pre-build character. It was like a different class with different stats and different weapons. And then you could play the game and save that character and keep that card with you. And then next time you go to the arcade to play Minecraft Dungeons, you'd be able to scan your card and continue to play as that character, which I thought was just a really, really fun, unique, and cool idea for an arcade game. But... Yeah, I don't know if that arcade cabinet ever took off or if anyone really still has it or if those cards are still available to get in some way. But yeah, shout out to Minecraft Dungeons just all around. I thought that game was really cool and everything it brought with it. So there's that. All right. And then the last one, or maybe we have two more. Yeah, two more. Talk about Call of Duty real quick. I know everyone's waiting for some more Call of Duty. We're not talking about Modern Warfare 3 or the new multiplayer trailer or anything like that. We're talking about bigger scale uh, more like long-term bird's eye view of the franchise, kind of what Activision has planned for the game. And well, if you uh, if if you guessed more Call of Duty games, then you guessed correctly. So from VGC, Activision's currently working on several years of Call of Duty releases. That's according to Activision's president Rob Costick, not Bobby Kotick. This is Rob Costick, even though Rob is usually a short form of Robert, which is uh, another name for Robert would be Bobby, and then a short form of Bobby would be Bob, and then Caustic sounds a lot like Kotick. This is not Bob Kotick. This is this is not Bobby Kotick. This is Rob Caustic. Okay. This is, I swear to God, this just sounds like Bobby Kotick's evil twin who looks exactly like him, but he has a mustache and nothing's different otherwise. Anyway, according to Activision's president, Rob Kostick, who discussed Activision or Call of Duty's first 20 years and where the series might go in the future. Anyway, this is an interview with GamesBeat. So he did this interview 
VGC and other outlets parsed out some some good quotes and some information on the series where this is kind of interesting. What they basically talked about is how over the years, you know, 20 years of Call of Duty, they've done everything from World War II to futuristic to like slightly historical to like near future, like all these different settings. And what they've what they found out is that they've really hit a sweet spot with Call of Duty as a franchise after all these types of different settings and things they've done. He says, quote, we're constantly in our planning phase, our long-term planning phase. He said, right now we have games planned all the way out through 2027 for things that we're working on. He added, look, we've learned. I think we've done a lot for games in in the future. We've done probably, uh, we've went as far as we possibly could. We made some games based in the past. You start to see a sweet spot over time. What really resonates with the community. You see things like Modern Warfare and Black Ops, which are really popular. We've certainly had some games that have done really well, like the original World War II game from Sledgehammer back in 2017. That did really, really well as well. It's 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 a balance. I think most importantly, we feel like we actually need to provide good differentiating differentiated experiences good things for people to get in and feel like they've experienced new kinds of fun uh caustic said that weapons available in any given time period play a key role in determining whether it's a viable setting i think ultimately for us the weapons are a hugely important part of the call of duty experience you think about what narrative uh what narratively that allows you to do whatever time period you're in the challenge is when you go into World War II or even earlier, there's less flexibility when you're trying to maintain somewhat of a realistic tone, what is important to Call of Duty, which is important to Call of Duty. So hang on, let me back up a second and read that again. He says, the challenge is when you go into World War II or even earlier, there's less flexibility when you're trying to maintain a somewhat realistic tone, which is important to Call of Duty. Let me back up one more time. When you're trying to maintain a somewhat realistic tone, which is important to Call of Duty, let me back up again. Somewhat realistic tone, let me back up one more time. Important to Call of Duty. Somewhat realistic tone equals somewhat important to, sorry, somewhat realistic tone equals important to Call of Duty. Okay. By the way, our fans feel very strongly or very strongly define what Call of Duty is and is not. So, somewhat realistic tone, important to Call of Duty. And I'm sorry, that's Snoop Dogg and uh, Snoop Dogg and Doja Cat, who were most recently featured in Modern Warfare 2 as DLC characters. Was that? Uh, it's the Easter Bunny you can buy for twenty fucking dollars out of the Call of Duty storefront every Easter time. Uh, it's 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 wait, who's the rumored character that's coming for the Halloween event? Spawn. Spawn is the character coming into Modern Warfare 2 uh, in in the near future. Laura Croft, Tomb Raider was the was the character we just saw a couple of weeks back in in in, in Call of Duty. I think. What was I saw over the over the summer when that new when that new E10 Plus Activision Kids All Ages game came out? What was it? Uh, oh, Crash Bandicoot Weapons in Call of Duty. Is that? Am I hearing that correctly? Okay. Somewhat realistic tone, important to Call of Duty. Anyway, moving on. Once you get into the modern era, you have a lot of flexibility. You get into the future a little bit. And it's even it's even more flexible with what you can do with weapons. The Black Ops area is a super interesting one. Because Black Ops is all about secret stuff no one knows about. There's a lot of applied creativity built into Black Ops, which is always really fun for devs and to get to go after as well. With all of Activision's core studios contributing to Call of Duty, Caustic says that some 3,000 developers are currently working on the series. So that's between Treyarch, Sledgehammer, Infinity Ward, High Moon, uh, Activision Shanghai, Toys for Bob, guys that used to work for Neversoft, but Neversoft doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, all the freaking uh, uh, Beanox, all the freaking teams, of course, Raven. These are all the all the many, many teams that are under the umbrella of of Activision Call of Duty. So, yeah, 
3,000 people. It's insane. I don't have too, too much to say about this other than, obviously, it's not surprising to see Activision has games planned out as far as 2027. Yes, games take, on average, like three to five years to make these days. More realistically, like five or six years to make these days. And, you know, Call of Duty, it doesn't surprise me to learn that, yeah, they have 2024, 25, 26, and 27's games either in active development or in some form of early pre-planning. So, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That's not crazy, unrealistic news. We actually already know uh, that next year's Call of Duty is a new Black Ops game. And the year after that, as of right now, the plan is for it to be a direct sequel to next year's Black Ops game. So this year we got Modern Warfare 3. The next year we got Black Ops 5. Then the year after that we got Black Ops 6. That's basically the plan as of now. So that's 2024, 5, and 6 right there. Or 2023, 4, and 5 right there. So yeah, I mean, it's not crazy to think, oh, whoa, we're learning so much about the future of Call of Duty. But what is important is that they're basically they're basically conceding and admitting to something that we're kind of seeing play out right now in the series anyway, which is that they're finally realizing what stay in their lane means in terms of setting and, and location for a Call of Duty game. Because obviously like when Call of Duty became what we know today as, I know it's like started as a World War II series, I get that. But the Call of Duty we know today that, that made the franchise what it is today is of course Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare from 2007. And obviously it's like that was modern and that was the, one of the things that made that game so popular. But you know, like Modern Warfare 1 and 2 and 3, it's like, okay, well then basically the response from Treyarch was to do Black Ops, which is like, it's not old like World War II, but it's kind of old and historical by being set in like, you know, like the 60s and in the 70s and the 80s with everything from Black Ops to Black Ops Cold War. And it's like, okay, that's cool. And then they did Near Future with that. And then, you know, we just kept bouncing back between like Near Future or Slightly Past or Modern, but it was always like within this like 50 year gap. But then they went far out with it with shit like Advanced Warfare and Black Ops 3 and 4 and Infinite Warfare where they're going to outer space and they're going to the far-flung future. And then they try to go back to their roots by doing World War II back in 2017. And the whole, basically the whole like Xbox One generation was just a huge experimental period for Call of Duty of trying to like figure out what the fuck people want. Like how do we keep this stuff fresh? And even though every Call of Duty game is successful and they all, basically the worst selling Call of Duty game sells better than 99.999% of any game will how any game will ever sell period like i mean game, call of duty is so popular within the world of call of duty there's a very wide range of of success within that the confines of call of duty sales so i mean you got you have games that sell as low as like 12 13 million copies like vanguard i think which i think vanguard was like around 13 14 million copies when all of a sudden done all the way up to call of duty games that sell like 25 30 million copies like modern warfare 2019 and stuff like that and i don't you know don't hold me to it. i think those are rough numbers if, if i'm not mistaken but like what i guess what i'm trying to say is like the range for a call of duty game sales is is vast like to, to all of us we just see of course call of duty is the best selling game of the year again because no game sells like call of duty but within the world of Call of Duty, it's, I mean, some games sell a lot better than others. And what they basically realize is that when all is said and done, players really like the slightly past but kind of modern thing that Black Ops does. They like the modern stuff that Modern Warfare does. And they like the semi-near future shit that, like, kind of the newer Modern Warfare games do, but more so like Black Ops 2 did. And that's kind of their sweet spot. That's kind of their lane they're going to stick to. 
and then that's what their players have kind of um, demanded from them. So it is basically them saying, you know, if you've noticed that we're definitely removed now from like Call of Duty Infinite Warfare and Call of Duty Black Ops 4, which is futuristic and all that. And ever since 2019, it's been pretty firm in this kind of like we're sticking in the stuff you like, you know, Modern Warfare 2019, Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare 3, Black Ops Cold War. We're sticking to this like 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2020s kind of relatively modern era. And um, the only outlier was, of course, Vanguard. But Vanguard was a last minute stitched together kind of desperate attempt to get a game out because they Sledgehammer was supposed to be working on Black Ops Cold War back in the day. They were removed from the project because they weren't working well with Raven, so Raven then ended up getting paired up with Treyarch, and that's how Black Ops Cold War came to be. It was originally supposed to be a Cold War era game unrelated to Black Ops, and then the Black Ops IP got injected into the game. So that's actually a whole separate argument. But again, keeping with the with the with the tracking that, they're still going for that like stuff that's happened in like the past fifty years to like modern to like maybe near future. So anything from like 1960, 1970 to like 2020 2030 so like you know obviously it sounds like a wide range when we're talking about like our lifetimes but when you're talking about human history i mean yeah 1975 is a lot closer to where we are today than i guess like 2020 2250 although technically 2250 is actually a closer year because we're not gonna go back we're just gonna go forward so we're closer to the future than we are the shut up anyway let's be done with this that's that's really all i wanted to say it was just i thought that was that was interesting, basically, having Activision be like, yeah, we, we've noticed. You guys don't want the World War II shit. You don't want the futuristic jetpack running on wall shit. So I, I don't expect to see it come back, is all there is to say. All right, last one before we get into the main news. Uh, BioWare, a group of developers recently laid off by BioWare are suing the company in a bid to obtain a better severance package. In August, the Dragon Age and Mass Effect Studio uh, said that they were laying off approximately 50 people as part of a shift to become more agile and more focused. Seven, uh, seven of those impacted layoffs reportedly spent an average of 14 years at the company have now filed a statement of claim with Alberta's Court of Kings bench arguing that they should be awarded better severance pay by EA-owned studio. Uh, they say that in most recent court cases, termination without cause, Alberta courts have awarded at least one month of severance pay per, uh, per year of severance with a full value of all benefits included. Having refused to accept BioWare's relatively low offers, the employers are requesting a fair severance pay and including a request for punitive damages for what they say is unreasonably poor treatment, according to their legal representatives. I don't have much to say about this, but other than to say we're about to talk about a story in the main news, that's going to make Bioware and EA look cheap and slimy compared to Epic. And uh, because, I mean, come on, man. Like, you're at the end of the day, it's like your you're EA games. I understand the point of the layoffs are to cut back on costs, but you got to, you know, if you're going to let someone, if you're going to, if you're going to let someone go, you got to let them go, you know, in a good fashion with, with, with good severance, with, with a good package to help them buy time to get back on their feet and figure out what to do next. Because, I mean, you're fucking EA, dude. You're making so much money off Apex Legends and Madden Sports and, and soccer and NHL 2K24. Just, I mean, it comes out this Friday, dude. What are you going to do? You're going to make hand over fist off of a, a fucking roster update for 70 fucking dollars. It's a sports game. I mean, the least you can do is help these 50 fucking people that got laid off earlier this year I have better benefits and, and pay for the next couple of months while they figure out what to do with their lives now that you fired them. I mean, it's not that big a deal. But just want to put it out there. I mean, unfortunately, a big story that we're just seeing 
ad nauseum every single week is so-and-so's laying off this this many people and these people just got pulled off of this project and everything sucks because the economy is uncertain and companies aren't spending money so we're going to keep seeing stuff like this i'm always going to champion the little guy to uh, go and fight the big guy for what they deserve because guess what At the end of the day it's not going to hurt ea if they if they if they help set you up on your feet after they fire you it's really not gonna it's really not gonna materially affect anything i promise you season 24 of apex legends is going to be just as fucking underwhelming as it would have been anyway if these guys get enough money to pay their fucking mortgages for another three months so anyway that's it for all the small news stories you guys let's uh move into the main news but before you do you know we don't just move in fast we we, we always talk about the games we've been playing for the week so got a couple things to tell you about there as for what i've been playing but before i can even tell you about what i've been playing you know we gotta tell you about what i've been eating Got a little bit of an unconventional one for you this week, you guys. I bet you would never expected this from me. I'm a, I'm a real outdoors man. You see, I like to catch my own dinner. I don't like to go to the grocery store and let some other some other person catch my food for me. You see, I am a doomsday prepper. I am a big game hunter. I like to fetch my own food. I'm not some fucking some simp. I'm not some plebeian. I do not allow the grocery store to tell me what I can and can't have for dinner. If I want food, I will go out and capture it myself, which is why this week I want to talk to you all about the wide world of fishing. How did that come up? Well, good buddy of mine's getting married in a few months, and this past weekend we had his bachelor party. So that motherfucker is the exact reason why I didn't have enough time to play Sonic Frontiers, the Final Horizon DLC update like I really wanted to. Fuck you, why did you have to get married? Why did your bachelor party have to happen? Just kidding, a little bit. Kinda, haha. So yeah, this weekend, I was not at, on, on my couch in front of my Xbox playing Sonic Frontiers, but rather, I was uh, in the middle of the fucking ocean on Saturday, uh, fishing with my buddy, spending the night at an Airbnb uh, with him and some, uh, some, some some good guys, a good group of, of people. And uh, so anyway, deep sea fishing. First time ever, would you believe it? I still haven't gone deep sea fishing up until this point in my life. Somehow I believe it. But um, yeah, we went deep sea fishing. Um, wasn't my choice. Wasn't my idea. That's not to say I was opposed to it. It's just to say it's not my idea. And, you know, like the night before, I'm a little nervous about this. I'm like, okay, I've been, you know, I'm a Georgia boy. I've been down by the river with a fishing pole. I've I've cast a net or two. I've uh, only ever caught one fish in my entire life. But then again, I've only ever gone fishing like, two or three times in my whole life, but I've caught a fish before I've gone down by the river with buddies. In fact, my old good childhood friend of mine, Ernesto, we used to always go fishing back in the day in his neighborhood. And I remember enjoying that quite a bit. It was a really fun way to just chill with friends for the day. Um, nice, relaxing social activity. So I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also a little nervous because I know deep sea fishing. We're going to be on a small boat in the middle of the ocean. And I don't like that. I love cruising. I love big cruise ships. I love going on Disney cruise. I love Royal Caribbean. I love all that shit. Put me on a fucking cruise boat any day of the week. It's a big luxury hotel on the sea. It basically feels like you're in a hotel. You don't feel the ocean. You don't feel motion sick. You look out your window, you get a beautiful view of the ocean, but otherwise it just feels like you're on a really all-inclusive luxury vacation resort experience. I love it. I love cruises. Deep sea fishing on a small boat is nothing like a goddamn cruise. You got to catch your own food. The service sucks. It's smelly, it's small, and you constantly feel like you're about to puke. So nine fucking hours, this fishing excursion. And the rule is, if you want to eat dinner tonight, you better catch yourself some fucking dinner. So not only am I not hungry at all, because the whole time the boat is just like rocking up and down like a motherfucker, and you just feel like throwing up. You feel so nauseous. But uh, the, the, there's something about taking a 12-hour-old 
dead sardines, uh, sticking a hook through their fucking eyes and then back around to their fins and then throwing them into the middle of the ocean and trying to reel in a big fucking snapper. Uh, there's just something about that that's not very appetizing. That doesn't make me go, oh, gee whiz, I want to go eat fish tacos now. So I'm on this boat two hours out into the middle of the ocean. We go about 40, 40 50 miles out into the middle of the ocean. So after the two-hour ride, you fish for five hours and then two hours hightail it back to the uh, to the space coast over here in uh, in Florida around Port Canaveral. And uh, man, I, I mean, like I was trying to be optimistic. I was like, Jesse, this is the kind of thing you normally do. This is a great opportunity to just keep an open mind, have a good time with your buddy. Again, this is his weekend. This is all about him. This is your guy. He's getting married. Let's be happy for him. Let's celebrate him. Let's have a good time. Twenty minutes in this fucking boat ride, and I'm just I'm doing that thing. Like you know when you're like violently sick. You ever you ever been so sick that you like do that thing? Where like you start praying to God, you're like God, if you just get me through this fucking 24 hour stomach virus. If you just get me through this this flu I've got right now, I promise I'm gonna I'll never cheat on another math test. I'm gonna tell my Sunday school teacher I really appreciate the way they read the Bible verses. I'm gonna tell my little brother he can have the last piece of chicken on on Tuesday night dinner. I don't like you, you suddenly become a good person because you're so sick. Um, that that's how I felt from after the first 20 minutes of this trip until. The, the nine hours later when we got off the fucking boat, it was just like, God, you help me get through these nine hours without sinking, drowning, or throwing up. I will be such a fucking good person. I will I will be so good at my day job. I will tell my little kitty that she's the greatest little girl in the world. I will do the dishes without being asked every night for the rest of my life. It was like that kind of thing. I was just praying to God. And uh, of our group of, we had seven guys with us in our group. Um, I was one of three people that didn't puke in our group alone. The boat had like, I think the boat's maximum occupancy was like 25 people, including crew. And there was about 40 people on this fucking boat. And I think about half of them at some point had either puked their brains out or were trying to get everyone else to puke because they were just fucking chain smoking cigarettes and chugging beer in the middle of the ocean with the oppressive Florida sun on us while we, uh, while we all just get motion sickness. And it was, it's not, it's not a fun time. So I'm going to say deep sea fishing. Not a fun time. Regular fishing, going down to the lake or the river, casting a net, kicking back and hanging out with your friends. That's a good time. Deep sea fishing, that's not fun. Also, it's not fun. You're supposed to wear a bucket hat so you don't get sunburned all over your goddamn face. I don't have a bucket hat because my pastimes include Epcot and Xbox. So I have like a hat. Sure, I got a fucking baseball cap. I got a freaking Rainforest Cafe souvenir baseball cap. Sure. But I don't got a bucket hat. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Friend of the show, Hunter, one time as a gag gift, got me a Sonic the Hedgehog bucket hat. And so I'm on this boat and I'm like, I feel like such a fucking idiot, but I'm going to bring my Sonic the Hedgehog bucket hat because I really don't want to get sunburned. I'd rather look like an absolute anime incel fuckface on this boat with 35 strangers for the next nine hours of my life and not get sunburned than you know, face the consequences. So I, I wore the sign of the hedgehog hat and the boat is exactly what you think. It's just a bunch of like fucking friendly old, nice 40 year old dudes that like kind of scare you. Cause they're all a bunch of rednecks with their beer bellies out and knives and guns strapped to their hips, but they're all like super nice. Everyone's like, what's up, man? Let me, Oh, let me help you out with that. You need a beer. You need a, Oh, you look a little motion sick here. Let me get you some patches or pills or something. Like everyone's super fucking nice, but I don't want the nice. It's the Chick-fil-A thing again. Like, I don't want you to be nice to me. Treat me like shit. Stop being nice to me. And so everyone's being nice, and everyone's like, oh, man, that's a, that's a cool song of the Hedgehog hat you got there. I'm like, God, why can't you just make fun of me? Why, why can't you pick on me for having the song of the Hedgehog hat? Why do you have to compliment it? And so I'm here. I'm trying not to throw up. It's nine hours on the boat. I got Sonic the Hedgehog on my hat. 
reminding me twofold that I look like a fucking idiot and that I'm not at home playing the new Sonic Frontiers update that just came out. And it's just it's just a whole thing. But despite not catching a single fish the whole day, I didn't get sunburned. I didn't throw up. And at the end of the day, my group caught enough fish. The guys in my group, not me, the guys in my group caught enough fish that we were able to, after the after the boat tour, get uh, get them filleted, get them cleaned, get them skinned, take them to the uh, fish shack next door. Not really fish shack; it's a restaurant, and um, and and they do a thing where if you catch fish at the boat at the boat tour next door, you bring it over to the restaurant. They will cook the fish you caught for for you. I really didn't believe that they did that, but they actually fucking did that. So we got like a gray grunt fish and a couple snapper and things like that. And they cooked all these motherfuckers. They drowned them in so much blackening seasoning and in this garlic sauce that you couldn't taste the fish anyway, but they tasted phenomenal. And then we had some fucking fish tacos and cheese dip and, and, and fish dip at the end of the night. And that, that was the good part. The good part was it was taking all those motherfucking fish and eating them in taco format. That was, that was nice. But other than that, uh, fuck fishing. I'll leave that to the massive corporations that just destroy the environment and are cruel to animals because... I, I love going to a restaurant and ordering fish. I do not like going out into the middle of the ocean catching my own fish. Um, the best part of the whole day was eating those fish in the form of, of, of a taco. And also when we first got off the boat, uh, we were right next to the cruise port terminal. And we saw the Disney Fantasy uh, cruise ship leaving port. They, they were doing sail away at that time. And it made me want to fucking cry. I saw the Disney cruise ship. And I was like, God, I'd give anything to be on that ship right now. But of course, I'm here covered in squid and fish guts um uh desperately just 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 trying to get off this boat so anyway that's it for what i've been eating i've been eating fish but i'm sorry i, I can't tell you all about the flavor and the texture and the profile because i was a little too busy trying to catch my own goddamn food for survival purposes okay so now that now that i'm officially a man that means i can talk to you as any any way i damn please you're all my bitch and i am a, a officially uh, a man and i'm officially the top dog of this podcast that that means I'm replacing the former host, Jesse DeRosa, and I now assume the new title, Jesse DeBrosa, because I am a I'm a bro, I'm a man, I'm a man of great stature, and with that manliness asserted and and uh, prominently um, affronted, well, that's not a, that's not proper use of that word. Uh, I'm now going to go tell you about what I've been playing, which, as a man, I must say. I've been playing a lot of Sonic Frontiers, you guys. Sonic Frontiers, their new update is out. It's the Final Horizon. First of all, shout out to Sega and Sonic Team because this is a whole ass like DLC campaign expansion, and they just give you the thing for free. They promised it last year when the game first came out. I was like, yeah, 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 it'll get delayed, or they'll end up finding a way to charge for it. Nope. Free update. Full free update. It's like a four-hour campaign. They just throw it in there as a free update. New music, new levels, new story, new cutscenes, new playable characters. This is like... You know, uh, Spider-Man came out in 2018, and then in 2020, they did Spider-Man Miles Morales. This is like if Miles Morales was just free DLC. Nah, maybe more like if all the DLC in Spider-Man. Uh, something, something like that. It's maybe not that big and that drastic of a content drop, but it's like, it's pretty sizable. Like, it's a it's a big... It, okay, it's like if uh, if the new expansion for Cyberpunk, Liberty, whatever it's called, what if that was just, what if that was just free? And that's kind of what it is. Huge update for the game. Game has tons of new. There's dude. There's literally new mechanics. Like Sonic's move uh, move list have been updated. Like the game plays different now. Like the 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 base game has new moves and mechanics to it now. Like it's it's insane. It's just all free content. But um, yeah. So I only got to unfortunately play about an hour, an hour and a half of this um because I got home late on Sunday and then I had to go back to work basically after that. So I played about an hour and a half of this. 
straight, straight off the bat, I gotta say, it's awesome. The new, the new story stuff is cool. It looks like they're just basically building off of the ending of the game, which is awesome because the ending of the game is the only weak part of the game. It's a little abrupt and seems like they kind of ran out of time. But this new DLC is basically taking the ending and expanding upon it and building upon it both in terms of not just, you know, the gameplay and the things you can do, but also in terms of, like, the narrative and fleshing that out a little further. So it's super awesome. If you're a big Sonic fan like me, this is just really, really exciting stuff. It just feels like we kind of got a surprise extra 3D Sonic game this year that we weren't really expecting or, or really didn't have any any right to expect we'd be getting. And it's just so good, honestly. You can play as Knuckles and Tails and Amy now, and I gotta, I gotta be honest, the way they introduce all these characters and all these features, it just basically feels like, what if Sonic Adventure for the Sega Dreamcast but done in 2023 on the Xbox Series X. Like, the game, Sonic Frontiers is slowly just turning into, like, the Sonic Adventure series. Like, the, there's nods to the old games with some of the moves that, like, Tails and Knuckles have. There's all these new, all, all the players have, like, different play styles. You can play in the same areas, but you can interact with those certain areas in different ways depending on what character you're playing as. It's very Sonic Adventure in that way. And, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so, so good. The only thing I, my only gripe so far, I'm only an hour and a half into this four hour or so campaign. My only gripe so far is I can tell this is like also like their, their like extra hard mode fuck you like update where the platforming challenges in this new content are substantially harder than the platforming was in the base game. And so I've already run into a couple of moments where I'm like, ooh, that was a little difficult. So I'm not looking forward to the inevitable throw your controller against the wall kind of I'm frustrated moments that I'm expecting this this uh, DLC to have. But that aside, I mean, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so floored with this free DLC offering. I bought this game a year ago for 60 bucks and now they're just giving me I would have paid. I would have gladly paid an extra twenty, thirty dollars for this DLC, and they're just giving it to me for free. And that's awesome. That's insane. So, that's the first thing I've been playing this week is Sonic Frontiers. Otherwise, I've just been playing lots of mobile because, again, I spent my whole weekend at an Airbnb, friend's bachelor party, didn't really have access to my Xbox or my my toys at home, so I wasn't really playing a whole lot of video games. So I kind of, you know, a little socially introverted. I don't, I don't, I don't like too much social interaction. So when my battery, when my social battery was drained at certain points of the trip, I would just kind of like fall onto my phone and be like, oh, all right, I'm play. So I've been playing lots of Marvel Snap and Doncaster, both of which are like card battle games uh, Marvel Snap I'm sure the majority of you guys know what that is I really like Mar Marvel Snap it's one of those rare mobile games that actually like totally hooks me I've been playing this game on and off for a couple months but like this weekend I played a lot of it it's like this game's just it's just a very fun card battle game that is so accessible to someone like me who's like way too stupid to really play card battle games and so it's just so much like a game of like chance um, that it, that it's just fun to to guess and to build your deck and to throw shit at the wall and see what works and and to feel powerful when you win matches. It's just a very very fun little game. The other uh, deck builder deck battle game I've been playing is Doncaster, which is a really fun. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast a few months ago. I started playing it, but um, I really like this game. It's a fun um, like five dollar no free to play microtransaction bullshit. You just buy the game and you play the game. But it's like this uh, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons style card game where it's like you go into the forest and you come across a tree. The tree has a weird aura like uh, emanating from it. What do you do? And it's like approach the tree and uh, approach the tree or turn the other direction and head back towards camp. It's like you approach the tree. The tree begins talking to you. The um, You realize that 
The voice is coming from behind the tree. A fairy appears. She says that she can take you to the dungeon where the lore master exists, but you don't trust her. What should you do now? You know, whatever. And then, like, you end up in battling scenarios where you have, like, your deck of cards and you're battling monsters and creatures and shit like that. It's, it's a very cool game. I'm really enjoying that. So that's Doncaster, Marvel Snap, kind of killing time with that. And the last thing I want to throw a shout-out to is another, like, Jesse, you playing that? Like, like, who is this guy? He's out here. He's fishing. He's dominating the creatures of the sea. He's playing deck building games. And and you want you want me to really throw you for a loop here? I'm playing. Um, so it's a little weird. Pixelborn, which is a fan made card game, uh, for Disney's Lorcana. So that that all sounds like gibberish. Lorcana is a brand new card game, physical card game, like in the real world card game that came out similar like Magic the Gathering or like Pokemon trading card game. And it's basically, what if Magic the Gathering or Pokemon, but Disney characters. And it just came out about a month ago, and I have not been able to find these motherfucking cards in stores anywhere because I live in Orlando, Florida, where everyone is either a Disney nut like me, or a fucking piece of shit, low-life scumbag, uh, scalper, who's just buying all these fucking $15 card packs and then selling them for $75 online, making my life a fucking hell, uh, a living hell. And so, um, I I've been trying to buy these freaking cards for weeks now, this uh, Disney Lorcana. And I really want to play it. I've been really, like, looking forward to trying to get my hands on these cards and play this fucking game. But, I, alas, I can't do it. Even if you go to, like, local card shops and comic shops around here, of which, honestly, if there's something I've learned the past month, it's, like, we have an, a staggering number of comic shops and card shops and, like, geek memorabilia shops in the central Florida area. I mean, everywhere from, like, Orlando to Lakeland to Tampa, it's just flooded with, like, all these freaking comic shops and card shops. It's like, there's, 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 dude, there's certain plazas where there's, like, two of these types of stores in the same fucking shopping plaza. I'm like, what, the, dude, what the hell? Like, you go back to Atlanta where I'm from, it's like, there's maybe two, two of these stores in the entire greater Atlanta area. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, I, I don't know. Anyway, it's, it's awesome. It's great. But none of these stores have these cards in stock. None of the big box stores, Target, Walmart, anything. They even sold them at Disney World because it's Disney. So, like, you could go to Disney Springs and get them there. Nope, they're not at Disney World. I, I checked everywhere you go. They're sold out. They've been sold out. Scalpers got them all. So I'm trying to play Lorcana. Can't play Lorcana. So I find out there is this 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 uh, web game someone built. Well, you can download. It. It's a web program. It's a it's a it's a video game that that people built called Pixelborn. And you basically download it, and then you get all these image assets online, upload it into the game, and then it's basically like a digital video game version of Lorcana. So like you know like the what's the freaking Blizzard game called that people play? Hero not Heroes of the Storm. Hearthstone. So it's like Hearthstone, but for Lorcana. So it's like a digital version of the game. So I downloaded this. It was kind of, you know, it felt kind of cool because like I had to follow the instructions on the Discord page and download this and un unzip the files and extract and all that. And so it felt really cool setting it up. But thankfully, I've been able to play a digital version of this card game that I can't find the cards for to save my goddamn life. So I played a digital version of Lorcana called Pixelborn. And it's kind of fucking awesome. Like, I learned how to play the game. You can play online with other people. So I'm battling other people. It's freaking crazy. Mulana's inking my cards. We've got fucking Moana out here. Moana and Stitch blasting up Jafar. It's like, who, what the, Corella DeVille? Fuck you, Corella DeVille. I love it. It's bringing back, it, it's, I, I love this because I like card games. Every now and then I'll get in the mood for it. Like, in high school, I went through a little phase where I was, like, really into Magic the Gathering. There was, like, there was like a lot of my sophomore, junior years of high school were spent Tuesday nights, two in the morning, out with friends at the card shop playing Magic the Gathering, you know? Other kids my age were, like, 
losing their virginity and drinking alcohol, and I was like drinking Mountain Dew and playing Magic the Gathering at, at Super Games in Roswell, Georgia. Um, and I love that shit. Like I'm super. I, I, I have really fond memories of that stuff. So I, I feel like Lorcana is kind of doing this double damage thing of bringing me back to that that like those those fun high school days of playing Magic the Gathering, while also kind of scratching the uh, Disney Infinity Skylanders itch a little bit too, where it's like this fun little stupid thing I know I'm wasting my money on that I can collect. And, you know, it's kind of like Amiibo or something like that, where it's like, oh, the new cards just dropped. Let's go to the let's go to all the local targets and try to get the, the new cards that just dropped. And so, like, you get that. I, I don't know. I always love finding, like, some stupid bullshit to collect and get excited over. And Lorcan is kind of scratching that itch for me. So, God forbid I ever find these actual cards in, in, in stock at any retailer, I will actually buy the real cards. But in the meantime, I'm having a lot of time, a lot of fun just playing Pixelborn, the video game version of, of, of Lorcana. And then, yeah, hopefully if I ever find those real cards, I can go to, like, a actual one of these card shops and, and play real people in real life and that might be fun it's a, it's a it feels a little off topic but it also feels a little on topic right so i kind of like how we talk about pc news sometimes on this xbox podcast because i feel like pc is very relevant to xbox i don't know like maybe card games and collecting cards and magic the gathering stuff isn't necessarily video game news but i feel like the venn diagram of people that like magic the gathering and people that play video games is like not really a Venn diagram, it's just two circles on top of each other. So I don't know. I, I'm mentioning it. Um, we probably lost half the listenership already at this point, but shout out to Sonic Frontiers. Shout out to Pixelborn. Shout out to Disney's Lorcana. Shout out to all the scalpers making it impossible for me to buy a fucking deck of trading cards. Shout out to Marvel Snap. And fuck you, Deep Sea Fishing. I hate you, but goddamn do I love fish tacos. So that's it for what I've been eating, what I've been playing. And with that said, let's take a quick break and we'll jump right into the news. All right, you guys, let's, uh, again, I'm going to be honest, kind of a slower news week. We only got, like, three stories, really, to talk about. Two stories, three stories. But I, I feel like we're making the most of it. We're talking about Lorcana. We're having a good time. I went deep sea fishing. I'm back, thank God. Uh, so now I got to do the dishes every night and be a good boy because I survived to tell the tale. And uh, with that said, let's just start off with the, uh, <laughs> well, bad news, but uh, handled well, but bad news. Uh, okay, let's just get into it. From VGC. Epic Games is laying off around 16% of its workforce, they have announced. The company, which is responsible for Unreal Engine 5 and Fortnite, which means they make up, they just, they just make all the money in the world, is laying off around 830 people. The job cuts were announced in a memo to staff from Epic CEO Tim Sweeney, which in which he states that about two-thirds of the layoffs are in teams outside of core development, i.e. Fortnite and Unreal Engine. Music Marketplace Bandcamp, which they acquired a few years ago, has also been sold, and web services firm Super Awesome uh, has acquired most of the company uh, have acquired most of the company back from Epic, so they're kind of going independent again. Around 250 people are leaving Epic through its diverse uh, divestitures from Bandcamp and Super Awesome. Staff members of Fall Guys developer Mediatonic post on social media claiming that they had been affected by layoffs. Saying, quote, for a while now, we've been spending way more money than we can. This is uh, the, from the memo. This is Tim, um, this is Sweeney's memo. Uh, for a while now, we've been spending way more money than we can, investing in the next evolution of Epic and growing Fortnite as a metaverse-inspired ecosystem for creators. I had a long and optimistic... I, I had been long optimistic that we could power through the transition without layoffs, but in retrospect, I see that this was unrealistic. While Fortnite is starting to grow again, the growth is driven primarily by um, created 
creator content with significant revenue sharing. And that is a lower margin business than we had with Fortnite Battle Royale took off and began funding our expansion. Success with the creator ecosystem is a great achievement, but it means a major structural change to our economics. Epic folks around the world have been making ongoing efforts to reduce costs, including moving to a net zero hiring and cutting operating expense, uh, spend on uh, things like marketing and events. But we still ended up falling short of financial sustainability. We conclude that layoffs are on the way and we are doing them now um, on the scale that will stabilize our finances. So, so again, this is just another one of those like, look at what's happening in the industry. And I guess my big takeaway from this one is that we're not talking about a small studio. We're not talking about a relatively new studio. We're not talking about a team that recently put out a game that completely flopped and failed and, and was a massive bomb. We're not talking about a team that's had a game development hell forever and ever and ever, and they haven't been able to get across the finish line. We're talking about Epic Games, the guys that make Unreal Engine, which is a video game engine that is just making all the money there is to make in the video game space. We're talking about a company that has Fortnite, which is the video game that makes all the money that there is to make in the video game space. So for them to be in a place where they're not saying, oh, we're hemorrhaging money and we're about to go under. But what they're saying is the growth or the, the way in which we've expanded our team size and our scale and, our, and all of our projects and, and where we're investing our money uh, that that growth has been outstripped by what we're spending on capital and at, or on on um, personnel and at this point it's it's going to become it, it's becoming unsustainable and it's going to become a problem for us so we need to make the adjustment now to to lay off some people in order to keep our staff an appropriate size to match the kind of business we're doing and so obviously I'm of two minds with these kinds of things because it's like I know it's like when when you're just a little guy who's never owned a company or run a company, it's so easy for you to sit there and be like, "Oh, layoffs! You're you're evil! You're you're making people lose their jobs! You're the devil!" It's like okay, but when you're a CEO of a company, you gotta make hard decisions sometimes, and yeah, a lot of people are gonna hate you for it, but maybe not everyone understands why you do what you do. I I, I want to be understanding of that perspective, but at the same time, it's like you don't get to make Fortnite Unreal Engine money and then lay people off. Uh, it's like find a more efficient use of your personnel. Don't you know, don't just fucking hire people if you can't, you know, if you're not going to be able to justify why you hired them in the first place. But I don't know. Apparently, apparently these layoffs are, are pretty good. The severance packages are really good and people are being left with benefits for the rest of the year and like six months of pay or some shit like that. So a lot of these people are being given a great opportunity to really take their time and, and or have a lot of time to figure out where to go from here and what to do next. But the economy is uncertain, and if you go from a place like, you know, if you, if you get laid off from a place like Epic Games, you know, there's not really much higher to go from anywhere like Epic, so you make a lateral move where you go down a step, really, it, it, it seems like, but I don't know, man, it's just um, it's just hard for me to sit back and just be like, oh, yeah, Epic Games, making all this money off of Fortnite, oh, yeah, they're, they're firing 16% of their fucking staff, so that sucks, but at the same time, you, you look at a lot of what's happening, I think so many of these companies staffed up and got beefy and big and, and aggressive during the pandemic years. Cause they're like, well, everything's going to be work from home now. And Oh man, we're consulting. We're buying everything. Everyone's buying everyone. And now what we're seeing is the economy is getting really unstable. It's getting a little awkward. Things are kind of getting into a nervous state. And a lot of these companies are like, um, things aren't looking up. We're kind of bloated right now. We need a downsize. And so many of these layoffs, like this is kind of more in line with like the layoffs we're seeing at companies like, like Microsoft and stuff where it's just, we're just trying to trim the fat. You know, we're just trying to run a little bit more lean. We're not, we're not trying to really invest our, our assets and our time and our money into 
all these pet projects and side projects and these people that don't really have a revenue generating or contributing kind of role within the company. We're trying to just make sure we're focused on the on the core product and their core purpose so that we can be a, a an efficient lean revenue de- revenue generating company. And I, I again, I get it. It's like uh, things are getting weird. The economy is getting funny. You're trying to you're trying to be in a in a in a good situation to weather a storm. I I get it. But at the same time, you make so much fucking money and all these people have to lose their jobs. I don't know. I, I guess my thing is it's like maybe the business does require certain people to lose their jobs in order for it to um, to work. Are there enough executives up there in the ladder who, who are willing to maybe take a fucking pay cut so that people don't lose their jobs for a little while? Or I don't know. Like, I don't I don't fucking know. I, I, I just hate this shit. I hate the way it works. It's like, ah, the shareholders are not going to be pleased with the performance of the company. We got to lay people off in order to maintain a similar, I don't know, like in order to post numbers that will be satisfying for the board. You know, it's like, I don't know. Why don't you take a fucking, why don't you, why don't you take a pay cut? Why don't we restructure the pay of the company a little bit? I don't know. Not to say that the higher ups don't deserve good pay. Listen, if you run a company, you deserve to be compensated handsomely. I, I don't have any issue with CEOs being multimillionaires. I, I do have an issue with CEOs having just a disproportionate, disgusting, unfathomable cartoonish n- amount of the wealth. But you know, like I don't have I don't have a problem with a Jeff Bezos or a Bob Iger having multiple million dollars, but I don't know if you need seven, ten million dollars a year. Like that's that seems a little egregious. I don't know how any one person ever spends that much money. But uh, I don't know. It just I don't know. Tin Sweeney, C suite execs, anyone here who can maybe take a pay cut while we weather out the storm and try to work on a new a new place for these employees to maybe move into a revenue generating role so that maybe they can stay with the company and the company can make more money as a result of investing in these people rather than just being like, see you later. So I don't know. Anyway, that being said, this is more big scale zoom out a little bit games industry as a whole kind of thing. We've seen a lot of smaller companies have layoffs. We've seen a lot of this game bombed and then these people got laid off kind of thing happened. But now we're seeing a company that many of us would assume to be is a relatively healthy, totally stable, fully functioning, well-oiled machine of a company within the games industry have a sizable layoff. And I see that as a harbinger of things to come. Like, this is not the end of it. This is the beginning of, of the, the mass layoffs and the tightening of the workforce and the games industry kind of going through a little bit of a, of a moment in history. And so if it can happen at Epic Games can happen to anyone we know it's going hard with embracer we know it's probably gonna get a lot worse with embracer but now i'm sitting here wondering like when does it hit xbox you know when does it hit bethesda how soon after they buy activision does it hit activision how many people's jobs are considered redundant once we integrate activision into part of the greater xbox ecosystem or, or family you know in terms of the operations side of the business um and i just i start to wonder it's like when when does undead labs pay the price for Working on a game for a billion fucking years, and not being able to get State of Decay three out out the door. When does the when does this start to affect um, the initiative, or 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 I mean, over on the Embracer side slash Xbox side, when does Crystal Dynamics get completely wiped off the fucking map as a result of everything going on? And, and these are the things I start to really worry about. And you know, as a result, 
game publishers are going to start to get a lot less risky. They're going to be like, okay, um, things are getting a little tight out there, so we're not going to we're not going to try our hand at making a game like Evil West or the Callisto Protocol. We're going to try to make something like uh, Fortnite Two or or Gears of War Twenty Seven or Call of Duty 56. So again, not to say there's anything wrong with these games, but it's just that I think this is going to stymie creativity a little bit in the games industry as well. So. I don't know unless you're unless you're a publisher called Focus Interactive or Fo- Focus Entertainment. I I I don't know who's going to be making taking interesting risks or making interesting games in today's market. And even them, I don't know because they just put out a game that flopped as well. So scary times ahead. If it can happen to Epic Games, it can happen to anyone. That's all I got to say about that. And uh, of course, thoughts go out to all those affected. Hopefully, they land on their feet and end up in a better position once all is said and done. But that's not all the sad, bad news we have about the industry because it just keeps getting a little rougher out there. Sega Sammy have said that they plan or that they they are canceling Creative Assembly's Hyenas and other unannounced video game projects. The move was announced on Thursday last week after the podcast had already come out. Um, in, quote, in response to lower profitability of the European region of Sega, we have reviewed the title portfolio for each development base in Europe, and the results action will be to cancel Hyenas and some unannounced titles under development, it was said. Accordingly, we will implement a write-down of work in progress for titles under development, so that way they'll be able to write off on their taxes as opposed to have to put this game out said to die and then lose money on it coming out and flopping. Creative Assembly's next game, Total War Pharaoh, will be released on October 11th, very shortly. Last August, the studio said it was working on a new action game, as well as an, un- another unannounced project. Due to the structural reforms Sega is planning to implement, which will occur mainly in Europe, the company now expects to a record, sorry, to record a loss for the current fiscal year ending in March 31st of 2024. Announced last June, Hyenas was a robbery and extraction multiplayer shooter that was scheduled for release later this year on PC, Mac, current-gen and last-gen consoles. It had five teams of three battling AI and each other stealing pop, uh, pop culture memorabilia from um, from expansive-themed spaceships with zero-G sections. Following the game's cancellation, Creative Assembly confirmed that they will be making redundancies or layoffs. It's also been planned uh, to reduce its fixed expense in Europe with a focus on cutting costs at Horseman, England-based Creative Assembly. The new, in a new statement, Creative Assembly has confirmed that it's begun redundancy cons- uh, consultation process, in which some areas of the UK op- uh, in sorry in some areas of the UK operations. This may unfortunately result in job losses. They said we fully understand that this has a significant impact on the people, whether they are directly affected or not, which. We are truly sorry for, they said, quote. They also say, quote, We have always aimed to operate as a people's first studio that is foundational to our values and culture. While we must go through this incredibly difficult process, we will uh, prioritize supporting our people in every step. For those whose jobs are at risk, we will work to reallocate them in other available roles within Creative Assembly wherever possible and ultimately minimize the job losses. Our commitment to our projects and players has not changed. We will deliver more incredible experiences for our players around the world. The cancellation of Hyenas has also been further addressed in a separate statement released via the game's official Twitter account where they said, quote, while a decision to cancel the project has not been made lightly, we know that this doesn't make it easier to accept for you or us. We know that the plans 
more ambitious, and we knew that it was a drive. We were dri- diving headfirst into a competition with some of the greats. But we believe the journey, and we were proud to have taken every step along the way. We hope you join us for remembering the Action Pack Zero G Chaos and the diehard community of players that helped make it special. So many people poured their hearts into this project over many years. Please be kind and considerate to them as the news sinks in. We are working hard to find new roles within the business for the incredible talent and who helped put hyenas together not only that but a new video published by total war youtuber vlund vuland uh corroborated by vgc's own sources features claims from anonymous developers that a lack of direction disruptive engine changes and other overly cautious designs contributed to the downfall of the project leading to its cancellation altogether one or more anonymous developers wrote in the report, quote, so what went wrong? The lack of direction made the leadership sleep at the wheel, but they never seemed to lose their jobs. An engine change part of the way through the process, attempting to break into a saturated market and not committing to anything adventurous within the game. So a lot of people go on to write about how they were hoping that maybe they could take on another kind of um, safe bet project, kind of like when, when Creative Assembly made Halo Wars 2 back in 2017, something to kind of keep them afloat and fund them for a while while they recover from this, but that wasn't the case, and ultimately it led in in layoffs, and that now a lot of people at the team are upset because they feel like there's lazy management, there's poor handling of the studio, and now people who worked in the trenches, boots on the ground, developing the game are the ones suffering the consequences, being moved on to new projects or losing their jobs altogether, while ultimately this is a problem that falls on management, that the game was poorly produced, poorly handled, engines were swapped mid mid development, game ideas were just all over the place, nothing was ever cohesive or well uh, handled and now a lot of people are, are upset about the way the layoffs and the cancellation are playing out. All right, that's a lot to swallow here. Lots to talk about for 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 one one story, but um yeah, so there's a lot of ways we can tackle this. First of all, this sucks. Creative Assembly, very interesting developer. They do a lot of over the top or not over the top like isometric strategy type games although they've tried their hand at a couple of these first person games they did alien isolation in 2014 and now uh hyenas was going to be kind of like another step outside their comfort zone we know them for total war and for halo wars and things like that but um this is something a little a little different and for those who don't remember we talked about hyenas a lot ever since it was announced and this past summer i got to play one of the I don't know if it was an open beta, closed alpha, whatever the fuck it was, but I got to play one of one of these, and I don't remember if it was something I really talked about on the show or not, but I gotta be honest, I was mildly optimistic about this game, and my takeaway after a couple hours with the game online, aside from the fact that the servers were broken half the time and that it was a little buggy and didn't run really well on my PC, um, when the game was working and I was playing it normally, my main takeaway was that this game is not very good. It felt hectic. It felt chaotic. It didn't feel satisfying and fun to play. I didn't think Hyenas was particularly good, and and you know I hate to add add salt in the wound, but I I thought this was a dead on arrival type game from the moment I, I I played it, and I instantly forgot about its existence afterwards, and really haven't thought about it since. And so hearing that's canceled isn't completely surprising because I remember during the alpha or beta or whatever it was I played. There was a problem with matchmaking where there wasn't a lot of people playing, so it was hard to get into matches in the first place. And I remember there being reports about people just not really playing it, and the server's not really being loaded, and that's kind of unheard of. If you, for games like this, usually when they're like, I don't know, you think about like X Defiant, right? Like whenever there's these like closed betas and things like that. Like I've been in two or three of these X Defiant closed betas and stuff like that, and 
they've always had healthy player bases. I've always been able to get into matches quickly. Obviously, you expect the game to be a little rough around the edges. You're playing it in like a beta form or an alpha form. So that's not a problem that there's a little lag or a little performance issue on the server side or that there are some glitches or bugs in the game. Like, I'm not upset about those things, but it's like when you can't fucking matchmake because people aren't there, you know your game's already in trouble. The fact that nobody gives a shit from the start. And that's kind of what Hyenas was like in my experience. I remember playing it and being confused by its weird progressive player versus player versus environment versus AI type of gameplay. And you're always moving. It's like it's like zero G over here. And then you bounce off and then it's normal corridor shooting here. And then you got to do this objective if this player gets this. But if this player doesn't get to this place, then you could do that objective. And it just kind of felt like this weird hodgepodge of like. It's like Apex Legends meets Left 4 Dead with zero G just for the sake of trying to make the movement different. But with Fortnite skins and weird pop cultural memorabilia, you could collect like Sonic the Hedgehog trinkets and plush dolls and things like that. It was just, it was kind of a wacky, ridiculous game. And it just felt like I had no, no vision or coherency. It was just like trying to be a competitive games as a service for the sake of getting into that space to compete. But I don't know. Nothing about this game really did it for me. And I, and I say that as someone who loves Sega and who likes creative assembly and hates that this happened. But I, the, the fact that this game didn't resonate and that Sega was looking at it internally and saying, this, this game is not coming together. This is a mess. This, this is not happening. And then ended up canceling it. Doesn't surprise me in the least as someone who actually played this game. I'm telling you, this does not surprise me in the least. Um, I think that's probably the best thing to do with this game. And that probably should have been canceled way longer ago, but Obviously, again, here we are at the same story. Like, I, I don't want to hear of people losing their jobs. It fucking sucks that the consequence of this, you know, whether, you know, Hyenas might not have been a game that really did it for me, but it was unique and it was different. It was a risk and it was something new. And the, the reaction to this is going to be, you know, if Creative Assembly is able to stick around long enough to keep doing what they're doing, which I, th I think they'll stick around. I don't think they're going to shut down over this, but... The reaction to this is going to be, okay, now you just make Total War games, or now you're just like a four-hire project or a support team or something like that. Like We're not we're not letting you make a new creative, risky, brand-new, ground-up IP because that's going to be the, re the reaction to this is Sega doesn't want to lose any more money. This is going to be a costly write-down from them. They're going to lose money on this. They're going to lose the opportunity cost of having a team like Creative Assembly not working on other games because they were working on this for five or six years. That's that's very, very costly. Like The report says that they've been working on this game in some capacity since after Alien Isolation finished. So they've been working on this game for like seven, eight years in some in some way, shape or form, which is just insane. It's, it's, it's crazy to think about. And now you have this team that's basically not put out... Well, they put out other games because they've been in multiple teams. You know, they put out... They have a game coming out in, in a week, and then they put out Halo Wars 2 back in 2017. So they've put out other games, but the fact that there's a a whole core of people within this team who've been working on this one game for so long, and now that game is canceled, and now they got to start from scratch in an industry where games take a minimum of five to six years to develop, like there's a lot of people who just aren't going to have a game to put out for a very long time, and that's like not really... It's not really a good thing if you're trying to stay competitive in this industry. It's like you want to move on from project to project. You want to be able to put out another game. You don't want to just be like, yeah, I've been in the industry for 20 years. And for half of it, we were just working on a canceled project. And then now I'm looking for something else to fill in the, in the, in the gap. It's like you're missing out on a lot of experience, a lot of happenings in the industry. It's, it's again, it's just not a good place to be. So this is unfortunate on a lot of fronts. It makes you worry about what happens to Creative Assembly, what happens to these people who are now laid off. Um, what kind of situations that put them in? Why, you know, why does, of course, Sega have to 
I don't know. We won't get into that because we already talked about it with the epic stuff. But again, it's just it's just unfortunate. We don't have the whole story here. Who's to really say that it was management's fault that the game was the way it was? Who's not to say it wasn't the fucking uh, core game designers team or whatever? We don't, we don't know. We're not going to sit here and point fingers and, and make assertions. But we are going to just say it fucking sucks. <laughs> because now Creative Assembly, a really, really talented team, is kind of twiddling their thumbs around with nothing to really show for a, a lot of their existence over this past decade or so. I mean, let me go. Okay, so let's look at it. So Hyenas canceled. Otherwise, this year they got Total War, Pharaoh. They had Total War Warhammer 3, which came out last year, which is a tactics game. They have Total War Saga Troy. They have Total War Three Kingdoms, Total War Saga Thrones of Britannia. So since Halo Wars, they put out one, two, three, four, five, six including the game that comes out next week, six um, six more Total War games, which is great, but that's a different team. The team that did Hyenas and Alien Isolation, those guys have nothing to show for the past nearly decade of their life. That's not good. That's really fucked. And now you wonder, like, do you just integrate those guys into the RTS team? Because your first-person shooter guys... You know, you have these two very different teams that are equipped to make very different types of games. And that creates a new potential redundancy situation where it's like you might say, okay, these guys are better with these low-budget, safe, well-received, real-time strategy and tactics games. Let's keep that focus. It's like, well, then what does that mean for those FPS guys that just got hyenas canceled? Are they going to get fired now? So shout-out to uh, guys at Creative Assembly. Hopefully, you know, they land on their feet. They do well. And uh, rest in peace, hyenas. You never got to see the light of day. You weren't very good, but that's not the point. It sucks to see anyone's hard work go to waste like that. So, and then our final story for the week is just a little wrap up here. It's um, Game Pass update for the month of October. So, reminder: available today, or available as of now, with Game Pass this month, you got Gotham Knights, The Lamp Lighters League. It's a day one Game Pass game. It's out now. Warhammer 40k Darktide, yes, it's finally on Xbox Series X. Too little, too late, probably. I wanted to play this game last year when it was supposed to come out, um, and then it got delayed off of Xbox at the last minute, came to PC, and that's got a huge update. Now it's available on Xbox. Now it's also available on cloud. I don't know. I want to say I'm going to play this game, but it's just it's too competitive right now. Too little, too late. So Warhammer 40k Darktide, finally here. And then coming soon, of course, next week, Forza Motorsport day one game pass game you can play it early if you get the special edition from space comes out october 12th um, which is next thursday the day this podcast goes live i'm actually really interested in this game this game has apparently been out on switch but i know nothing about it i just learned about it when the game pass announcement was made but this game looks really cool Um, i'm just gonna read you a little excerpt the description says from space is a solo and co-op action shooter for um for squads of up to four players take on the challenge of liberating um each of Earth's, sorry, liberating the Earth from alien infestations with your friends using over-the-top weaponry in a post-apocalyptic world where an awesomely style with awesomely stylized graphics. The apocalypse has never been so much fun. Looks like a twin-stick top-down co-op shooter that looks very Halloween-appropriate, even though it's more like aliens and stuff. Um, has a very like Halloween kind of kind of look to it, and I'm very much interested in giving this game a go. So. Yeah, shout out to From Space. Might have to play that game. And also on October 17th, Like a Dragon Ishin comes to Cloud Console and PC. Now on October 15th, the following games are leaving Game Pass, so make sure you give them a try before they're gone. Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. 
Trek to Yumi, The Legend of Tianin, uh, Shenzhen IO, Overwhelm, and Evil. Evil. So make sure you download them, give them a try before they're gone. Trek to Yumi, I know, is a pretty notable one when that came to Game Pass last year. And then that's it for all of our news this week. You guys, let's wrap up real quick with the important enough news story. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warn their own discussions, of which we have a few here. First of all, Microsoft has announced another new Xbox controller design. The Gold Shadow Special Edition controller has been announced for $70 and comes out on October 17th and pays tribute to the Xbox One Shadow Series designs with this kind of like fade gold into black kind of look. That's pretty cool. Next up, Microsoft's added a new Forza Motorsport-themed dynamic background to Xbox Series X and S consoles. It's a, it's available for free. You can go into your settings and apply it for free. You don't have to download or buy anything. Uh, next up, Blizzard Entertainment has dated Warcraft Rumble, originally announced last May as Warcraft Arclight Rumble. The recently renamed title will hit iOS and Android devices on November 3rd this year. This looks like a really fun little uh, tower defense strategy game with a little chibi Warcraft art cell. Again, an- another reason why... Xbox wants that Activision shit because they got compelling mobile games coming and these things make lots of money and reach massive audiences. So this is a good place for Xbox to be. Next up, the console version of City Skylines 2 has been delayed. Announced back in March, City Skylines 2 is coming to PC on October 24th, but the Series X and S version has been delayed. Um, they are targeting sometime next year, next spring, but uh, we'll have to wait for more on that. Next up, Diablo 4 will be releasing on Steam this month, Blizzard's announced. Uh, the news was revealed during a Diablo 4 development stream, and players can wishlist the game now. It will release on October 17th. Next up, voxel-based destruction game Teardown will be on Xbox Series X and S on November 15th. The game was shown earlier this year and has been on PC for a while and has got a pretty good critic and Metacritic score, so user critic and Metacritic score, so looks like a pretty fun game. And lastly, Epic Games have announced plans to increase the price of Fortnite V-Bucks. Beginning on October 27th, the prices will uh, go up in certain territories, including Canada, Mexico, U.S., U.K., and others. Uh, But for example, pricing here in the U.S., the 1,000 V-Bucks card will go from $9 U.S. or will go from $8 U.S. to $9. The 2,800 V-Bucks card will go from $20 to $23. Uh, 5,000 V-Bucks will go from $32 to $37, and 1,350 V-Bucks will go from $80 to $90. So a notable little price increase there. So all you kids steal mom's wallet to buy some V-Bucks. Just know you're going to piss her off that much more by tapping her dry. Guys, that's going to do it for all of our news this week. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast where we chill out and go into the comments, the listener comments, the shout-outs, and everything from YouTube.com. You know how it works. You head on over to YouTube.com, look up Xbox on Podcast, click on the latest episode, subscribe while you're there, and leave a comment on the latest episode. You can say anything nice, you can say anything mean, or you can say something in between. Tell me I'm a little bitch because I'm afraid of slimy little fish, but it doesn't matter because I'm a man. I went fishing, which means I hold dominion over you. All right, so we got 10 entries this week, and in no particular order, we just got a hodgepodge of shit to get through here. So let's start out with my favorite podcast, or my favorite part of our podcast here, which is all you guys writing in. Mike Clark, 448880, whatever, it doesn't matter. Numbers don't matter. Just name. Mike Clark writes in and says, You're still right about uh, Ryu Gagodoku's studios, Jesse, slash Sega, and their games. The Judgment series should not be slept on. Denny's was so awesome when I was younger. Many visits on Thursday nights after eight hours of bar hopping. Ah, the 90s was a good time. In your description of the decor slash appearance, it's perfect. More Japanese games are always welcome. Bandai Namco and NIS would be very nice. Thank you again for a great show. Have a great week and play some more Yakuza. Yeah, so 
right about the uh, Judgment Yakuza situation in that there's just too many of these games. They're all good. You can't sleep on any of them, but they're impossible to keep up with. Yes, very, very much so. If my like, if I only the way that like some people just play Call of Duty or just play Madden or just play Fortnite or whatever. If I played just Yakuza games, then it'd be it'd be fine. I could keep up with the series. I'd be like just barely keeping up on par with where the series is at. But because I play more than just one game, it's that's that's what makes it so hard. But um, yeah, man, shout out to Denny's and it being deceptively delicious despite looking like shit. Um, Cronky wrote in and says, I'm going to try and convince you kind of of the physical versus digital debate. So just so you guys know, we have a couple of these comments about physical versus digital. I'll try to jump around and cover these all. So Cronky writes in and says, first off, I think most people were talking about because for reference, last week I was very much on team digital only. Fuck you. Stop complaining about physical games. Um, the future is all digital. Get over it. You'll love it when it's done. And Kroenke says, first off, I think most people, when they're talking about uh, physical, is just actually discussing DRM. Because when you have the game, you basically have the rights to keep playing it. When I get another Vita after all these years to play PlayStation 1 games, I was excited to play Metal Gear Solid again. Only to find out that I don't own it anymore because Sony delisted it and made it so that you can't download it. Even though I had previously purchased it. So owning that digital game meant nothing and now I could literally never play it again. Of course, it's not being re-released, but still. Of course, it is being re-released, but still. Plus, I have to rebuy it. So, really, this is about access. Microsoft is mostly good with this, but I still have to sign in to Xbox Live periodically to keep access to nothing, uh, to keep access, and nothing is stopping them from revoking access to games I own, quote unquote own. So, yeah, this debate is about having access to these games in 20 years, not about people being grumpy grandpas. I doubt this would convince you because you hate Metal Gear Solid, but hopefully you can understand where people are coming from. I do not hate Metal Gear Solid. This is a good argument. I understand. I've heard this argument before. I, I understand this is a thing for people. And you're right. There is no perfect retort or response to this to this concern because you're right. On all platforms, I mean, Nintendo just announced they're about to shut down the Wii U and 3DS gift shops or, or gift shop, 3DS eShop. You can tell I go to Disney World a lot because I call it a gift shop and not, not an eShop. But Nintendo just announced they're about to shut down those stores, which makes me very sad because I love the Wii U and 3DS. It's the last era of Nintendo I truly love. But... I get it. All the major platforms have been guilty at one point or another of shutting down shops or delisting certain games or not renewing licenses. And so there's much cause for concern and justification in people's anxiousness about, sure, I own this game digitally, but who's to say I can access it forever? Usually, as long as you have the game in your download list, you do have it forever, is my understanding, is even if you, know, even if you have purchased it. So I don't really understand exactly what's going on with that Metal Gear Solid situation on PlayStation Vita. Um, because for example, like I have Marvel's Avengers on my Xbox right now. They just delisted that game permanently and you cannot buy it anymore, but I have a digital copy of it in my library. Even if I delete it, I can just redownload it and play it whenever I want. So I don't really understand that part, but yes, I, I understand that it's like, and, and I'm never one to be like, listen, we need to give more power and control to the corporations. They should have more of a definite say over everything to all the consumers. I, I'm, not, I'm not usually that person, but I'm just saying everything we do is all digital these days. No one complains about it. All your music, all digital. All your movies, all digital. All your apps on your phone, all digital. All your all your apps and games on your PC, all digital. But for some reason, we kind of arbitrarily draw. And for those of you out there that collect records or Blu-rays, fuck off. That's that's nerdy background shit. You are a niche. That's fine. I'm glad that those things exist for people like you. I'm glad you can find happiness in that. Cronky, I know you like your physical movies. Please calm down. 
but the overwhelming majority, the 99% of us go, I don't give a shit about the imperceptible fucking difference in streaming a movie on Netflix versus watching your fucking ultra 4K whatever nerd version of the DVD. No one cares. Overwhelming majority of us are fine to listen to our music streamed over Spotify or watch our movies streamed over Netflix or to play our games um, downloaded digitally on our PCs or to play all the fucking apps on our phones off of downloaded apps and not these weird SD chip cards that we plug into our phones like fucking 3DS cartridges. So I just don't understand why we have, why there's such a either loud minority or, or exception to the rule where when it comes to the video game console space, people are holding on desperately for dear life for that physical media. That's that's my that's really the crux of it. I don't think digital media is perfect. I don't think it is like the only solution. It's like oh man, the physical is stupid. They need to get rid of it because this is just objectively the only way to do it. It's like I just I don't see why as a consumer you would feel like you need to buy 100% physical games because you think that is a superior form to digital. I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like I'm not saying you're wrong to collect. That was poorly worded. I'm not trying to say you're wrong if you collect physical or if you just personally prefer physical. That's that's fine, I guess. I'm just saying the potential negatives of digital do not outweigh the good and the benefits of digital. Because people are always talk about, oh, well, what if one day this obscure horror game that no one plays gets delisted and then you can never play it again because it's digital. That's why we need physical games. Okay, listen here, motherfucker. 99.9% .9 of the games you will ever, 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 ever want to play will either be available in some way, shape, or form on some platform in perpetuity for the rest of humanity or, or yeah, it gets delisted or gets removed or you can't play it anymore. And guess what? It's a game that no one was really missing anyway. And I am all for game preservation. I think every game deserves to be preserved and saved and, and that, that everyone should have a, a way to access any game from the most obscure catalog you can think of. I, I, in a perfect world, we'd have everything. But at the end of the world, it's like, you didn't tell me the convenience of having everything loaded in one digital storage space and being able to access whatever, whenever, however easily you want from your, your storage device is not is not worth the occasional... Oh man, Super Jumpman 3DX has been delisted from the Xbox marketplace. This is why we should have physical. It's just, I'm just saying, it's like at the end of the day, the benefits and the conveniences brought by all digital greatly outweigh the occasional, inevitable, but occasional slight mild inconvenience brought on by the the total demise of physical media. And I just, I don't know, man. I just, I don't see, I don't see it. And it's not, I mean, you gotta be online anyway to use a fucking physical game because you put a physical game in, in, in your console and guess what? You don't have the game. You have a fucking, a, a flash image file of, 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 of nothing. And then it links you to the store to update that, that little two megabyte file to become an 85 gigabyte install on your console. So you're downloading the game anyway. So again, all right, pretty good. Let's get into the other comments about digital versus physical because we had two more write-ins, so let's 
touch up on those as well, and then we'll move on. Uh, Mr. Mao writes in and says, All right, Jesse, you got me. I had to search hard on finding benefits of physical games, but here they are. You said the first one, which is just being able to hold a game. It's nice having something you can grab and spend um, when you spend a lot of money on, especially if you're buying a deluxe edition of a game. Another thing, in, in, in keeping context, Mr. Mr. Mag was the one I was going back and forth with the most last week on this matter. So I'm glad you wrote back. I'm glad you have a chance to say your piece and, and, and make your case here. Another thing is being able to sell your game if you're done with the game. You can sell it to someone or give it to a friend, which also leads to the fact that you can let a friend borrow the game when it's physical. You can also buy used. Maybe get the game is still at full price for some reason on a digital storefront, but it happens to be really cheap when buying it used. At the end of the day, I just go with whichever one's more cost-effective for me. Sometimes a physical copy or digital copy is cheaper, but overall, I just like having the option. Fair. I just like having the option. Fair. Even if one is objectively better than the other, just having options is better than no options. Agreed. Fair. Respect. The digital thing or the, uh, the, the resale thing, Okay, here's my thing about this, man. I know people say this one all the time, too. And I object to this because a couple things. You can share digital games. Game sharing is a thing on Xbox, has been for a long time. So you can share games you buy on Xbox with your friends digitally. So that one, null and void, not not taking it. So that's the same whether you go physical or digital. All right, selling the game back. I get this. So buy the game, you play the game, you're done with the game. You want to go to GameStop and trade it in or flip it on eBay or Mercari or whatever. How much money are you really going to get for that shit after all the hassle flipping it? This is this is my thing. It's like, listen, I remember as a kid, like the grind of like just having to like const- the, the economy of constantly having to figure out how you're going to get to your next game based on what you own. The fact that you don't make income. And you got to get that new game coming out. I remember that shit. I remember very vividly selling my PSP so I could get Guitar Hero World Tour for the Nintendo Wii. I very much remember this very poor financial decision I made that even though it was a poor financial decision, I don't totally regret doing. I remember that shit because you had to do that. I remember that those times where it's like I have to trade in these four great games to get this one good game because I'm done with these four games and I have no way of ever getting money to buy this other game if I don't sell these games. And then you're out four games for one. I remember these days. GameStop being like, oh yeah, this game that's definitely worth 30 bucks. It's worth about $12.74. I remember that shit. Sucks. But at the end of the day, we're not little kids anymore. Like, I don't know. Like, are we really relying on flipping games like this? Selling them on Mercari, going to GameStop and flipping them? Like, are you really seeing enough return on this on, on these sales to really justify this? And I'm not I'm not judging. Like, if you are, like, more power fucking to you. Get your money back. Love it. But, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I can't even imagine people are making money flipping these games to really help justify going. I may, I mean, maybe if it's a new game, maybe if you're, like, Starfield came out, you bought Starfield for 70 bucks, you played it heavily for two weeks, 50 hours in, you got your fail, you're done, you flip it on Mercari for 50 bucks or something like that. I could see that. If someone paid 50 bucks for it, you bought it for 70 you ended up only playing $20 for a 50-hour experience with Starfield. That's a pretty pretty good deal. I can understand that, I guess. But I don't know, man. Again, at the end of the day, it's just like, is that really what people are doing? Like, I know it's what kids do. I know that's what I used to do as a kid. But it's like, is that really what grown adults are doing? Again, I don't mean that as like a judgmental, like, you need to look at your life if that's what you're doing. I am not. I'm not. I don't mean it that way. I know it maybe comes across or reads that way. But I'm just saying, like, is that, I don't know. Like, is that really, 
I guess as prominent a thing that like I'm overlooking this huge thing that so many people do. I, I don't know. But anyway, ultimately, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, actually, after the next comment. I'll, I'll make my final point. But yeah. But listen, in all, in all honesty, though, Mr. Mao, Cronky, fair points. I think you make good arguments. Like like between the two of you, I don't think you're grasping at straws or anything. If any, if anyone's grasping at straws, it's me. But I, I genuinely think you're making good arguments to justify, at the very least, why you are a fan of physical media. Not that you had to explain yourself to me at all anyway. But uh, I, I see your point. It's just like at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I see you can make your money back by flipping the game when you're done with it. Yeah, I see uh, they could take the game offline and make it impossible to buy or download again in the future. You don't really own it. You just have a license agreement to it. I get that. But you know that feeling when like you, you boot up the game because it's loaded on your console and you don't have to get up and switch the disc. And it's like so nice and convenient and futuristic and next-gen feeling because all your shit's in one place. You don't have to fucking move discs around like a fucking disc jockey in the 1984 time period, I think. It's maybe when they had disc jockeys. I don't fucking know. Like, uh, weigh the options, dude. Last one on this subject matter comes from Tim R. who says, Denny's rocks. I spent many of my late teen nights hanging out in Denny's after midnight just shooting the shit with friends. Uh, side note. Amen, brother. No, nothing better. Denny's, IHOP, Steak and Shake, Waffle House. These are the fucking cornerstones of 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 those adolescent, teenage, or yeah, those um of those of those teenage years, those high school years. I, I love it. The formative experiences. Going to going to IHOP with like seven of your closest buds on a Friday night after school, wandering around a, a, a Walmart until someone spends eight bucks. On a on a freaking uh, on a freaking Nerf gun, and then uh, staying up till two in the morning, doing literally nothing of significance at all, and, and then growing up one day to be like, man, I can't believe how nostalgic I am for that one time we all went to Denny's. Meanwhile, as an adult, it's like you can go anywhere and do anything, and it all fucking sucks because all you really want to do is just go home and relax for a minute. But shout yeah, shout out to that shit. Anyway, <clears throat> on physical media, the the disc only having a download code is part of what I hate. I get that a CD can only hold so much data, but I'm okay with using something else, like a USB drive or how Nintendo uses cartridges. I also like being able to resell old games, which is something I'm sure Xbox hates giving more incentive to use. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yes. They, they make less money. They don't want you doing that. Like you said, I'm sure developers hate giving GameStop or any other um, game store a cut, but I, for one, really enjoyed being able to go brick and mortar game store to look around chat with staff and maybe even buy a pokemon plushie or something if we do truly go full digital brick and mortar those will obviously die off sometimes the annoying stuff is the enjoyable part of the experience i like board games and while i frequently have digital versions that cut out the tedious stuff like money management and combat calculations i see those fun i see those as fun parts of the experience i'm not saying digital sucks or people who prefer it are dumb although i may think <laughs> i may think it but i would never say it I am saying that I wish physical versions were also available and actually fully, fully, and are actually fully versions. Like, like I, you mean like the full game is on the disc and not that it's just a glorified download code. Okay, of all the arguments, this is the one that gets me the most because you make the same, you make essentially the same points as Mister Malg and Cronky, but you appeal to my emotions more because you, you hit me in the nostalgic feels, and that's Tim R. That's why you get extra brownie points. Okay, so be on the lookout in your mailbox. I will be sending you brownies. Um, so yes, thank you. So again, 
I get it. I especially empathize with this too, because for as much as I hate GameStop and it's like, fuck you, GameStop, you made my childhood both simultaneously amazing and horrible because you're greedy and you suck and all your employees are assholes. And for some reason, I don't know what it is, but like 99% of GameStop employees are always so rude for some reason. My whole childhood, I feel like I always get treated sh like shit from the GameStop employee. Like, I just want to play the video game. Please be nice to me, sir. I'm not even being, an, I, I'm not even a loud, rude, obnoxious kid. I was always very quiet. I was always very to myself and kind to strangers. So please don't, don't be rude. GameStop employees, they're mean. But even with that said, listen, man, I get that. I, I totally get that. I, I love and miss and yearn for those days as a kid where it's like, yes, mom took us to GameStop. And then like on the off chance, you actually come home with a new game, whether you whether you traded in your whole collection to get one new game or whether it's, you saved up birthday and Christmas money for a long time and now you got the funds to get a game or the very, very rare uh, occasion where it's like, oh, God, mom and dad are just going to splurge and treat us to a game that we totally had no no right to get or no expectation that we'd be receiving. I, 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 I love those memories going through the game store, thumbing through the, the walls and seeing what they have and, and, and just checking out the display cases and on oh, buying it used. I want to make sure they give me a good case. Does it have the manual? And then like sitting in the car on the drive home, flipping through the manual, inspecting the case, looking at the disc, admiring the artwork, excited to play it, that, that hype level that builds when it's like, I'm on my way home. I can't wait to pop this thing in and give it a go. I hope it doesn't suck. There, like that is such a powerful nostalgic experience. I have there are very specific video games I remember that for. Like I, I will always remember exactly where I was and what happened the day I got Mario Kart 64. I I I remember it for the rest of my fucking life because I remember we left Rhino's game store. I had Mario Kart 64 in my hands. I was so excited to go home and play it for the very first time, and my mom had the fucking audacity to stop by the fucking. Christian educational, whatever the fuck it was. I don't know if it was a Christian bookstore or if it was one of those like smart kid toy stores they used to have back in the days that would never fucking fly in 2023, you know, where it's like, ooh, zany brainy, this store, we sell puzzles and blocks and Thomas the Tank Engine and we don't have any fucking name brand shit. You can't buy Transformers. You can't buy G.I. Joe. Spider-Man who? Like that kind of store where it's like all the, it's like a toy store, but it's also torture because nothing in the store is fun and it's all like, fucking plush dolls and and blocks and puzzle pieces and shit and i remember i don't know why we were in that store i don't know what the purpose was i don't know if my sister was with us and we had to go there for something i don't know but i just i'll never forget the day i got mario 64 because i was like you motherfucking piece of shit just take me home so i can play this goddamn game i love that i love that feeling and it, yes it is less fun today because as an adult i'm just like i can't wait to go home and download Starfield only for inevitably my Xbox to go, oops, you downloaded it, but now it has an update plus an additional hour and 27 minutes for a 13.4 gigabyte update. Like, I, trust me, I know. One of those experiences was a lot more exciting and special and, and momentous than what we have today. I get that. I don't know. I just, I just still think, dude, digital, it's just... The convenience outweighs everything else. This is the problem with humanity is we're too nostalgic. We're too attached to our emotions. If we if we always let the past and our nostalgia and our comfort and our childlike uh, uh, desire to retreat back to a comfortable, familiar, uh, older, uh, younger, more innocent time, if we always let that determine how we do things in the future, we'll always hold ourselves back. That's it, dude. We're holding ourselves back by holding on to digital media. Forget all the things going on in society. Forget all the lack of advancements in technology and medicine that we're not making, that we're not bringing to the public light. The fact that we absolutely could 100 fucking percent 
cure cancer because we have the technology to do so, but we just refuse to do it. Forget all about all of that shit for a second. The real thing is that it's just important that we keep physical video games around so that we can continue to remember what it felt like to be eight years old in the back of your mom's Toyota Sienna thinking, oh my God, I can't wait to play this game when I get home. All right. You got me, Tim R8679. All right. Props go to you. You got a big penis. You got the biggest penis of the week. Uh, actually, second biggest because I went fishing, which means I'm a real man, which means you have the second biggest penis of the podcast. So shout out to you. I'm officially flipped. I'm going back to physical games. I'm selling my Xbox. I'm going to buy an Ouya, and I'm only going to buy physical games starting now. Thank you for writing in, Tim. All stupidity and sarcasm aside, thank you very much for writing in. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Thank you, Mr. Malgan. Thank you, iCronky. Moving on, Mr. Mal comes back from the dead to not talk about physical versus digital media because I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing about it, but instead he says, I'm sad to hear that the Denny's by you aren't well kept. By me, Denny's is great. It's always clean. The prices are much less than IHOP. And I had those pumpkin pancakes you mentioned, but I added chocolate chips to them. That's a God-tier idea, by the way. They were amazing. The only downside was our waitress, but that could happen anywhere. What was down about your waitress? Was she a bad waitress or... Was or like your your waitress had Down syndrome? Are you making fun of people for that? That's really fucked up, Mister Matt. We don't. This is we don't do those kinds of jokes anymore. So you got to watch yourself. Um. All right. In, uh, okay. Stupidity aside. Yeah, man. I I I don't know where the fuck you live that your Denny's isn't a piece of shit. I like my my understanding is that if they build the new Denny's, they build it. It's brand new. It's shiny. But before they can open it to the public, they gotta like rub their their butts on the fucking carpets and and puke on the on the curtains and uh break the ac system so it smells moldy and wet and i i don't know like my understanding is like a denny's cannot operate looking clean but yeah i mean the denny's near me any denny's near me looks like absolute nightmare fuel i i, I don't know what to say but yeah shout out to Den- I, i'm really glad that the denny's thing like resonated with people I, i'm surprised how many people were like hell yeah denny's but you're right it, it, denny's is cheaper than ihop um i ihop's usually the one i go to of those kinds of chain restaurants and denny's is my experience is denny's cheaper. and they got alcohol too so i didn't get alcohol at denny's but you can get alcohol at denny's um bp Fadio writes in and says, The breakfast burger at Perkins is fire. Strongly recommended. All right. I really want to go to Perkins. I, I've been talking a lot about the uh, Denny's thing with people ever since I went. And a friend of mine was saying that he really wants to go to Bob Evans then. He's like, Oh, you like that shit? Like, you're into that shit? Like, Cracker Barrel and like Denny's and IHOP and stuff? We got to go to, we got to go to Bob Evans. So now we're, we're trying to plan like a double date, friend date, like brunch date to go to, um, Bob Evans for their to see kind of what they're all about. So I'm really looking forward to that one. But yes, breakfast burger at Perkins. Please preach it, BP Fatio, because I'm trying so hard to get my girlfriend to agree to go to Perkins. Hopefully that is something that can happen in the coming weeks. So thank you. Thank you for the recommendation. Uh, Arctic Chief writes in and says, oh, and I feel bad for Jim Ryan. On uh, <laughs> He writes in again. This is a second comment first. I'm reading him out of order. But he says, I feel bad for Jim Ryan. Um, he quit at such a... Sorry, I keep reading this wrong. I feel like Jim Ryan quit at such a coincidental time. Xbox gets Activision deal approved, and then a couple days later, Jim Ryan leaves. I don't know. Weird timing. I agree about everything you said there, but I'm not going to even begin to open up that fucking can of worms with the speculation and the tinfoil hat. But yes, you are right. Jim Ryan, uh, head of PlayStation, who just announced he was retiring at the end of the year. Yeah, it is. um, We haven't talked about that on the show because it's not a PlayStation show, but... um, yeah, that is a it it is a weird coincidence for sure. I wonder, 
I wonder if he was supposed to leave sooner, but this was just like the kind of thing that kept him here was he had to fight this legal proceeding before he could kind of bow out because they really need their head of PlayStation to fight this battle for them before they can just let him go. So there is some, uh, there is some kind of fuckery happening here, but I'm not even going to get into that because I don't, I'm so tired. <laughs> We're not doing this. I don't need the PlayStation. Hey, uh, I don't need the PlayStation pony boys in my, in my comments mentioning me and yelling at me again. Okay. I've had it before. I don't like it. When, when people yell at me for my Xbox takes, it's it's a lot it's a lot nicer than when people yell at me for my PlayStation takes. So we just got to keep the PlayStation fans happy. Uh, Jim Ryan, may you rest in peace. We love you. God bless. Uh, OG Man writes in. OG Man! Long time. He says, Jesse, I won't lie. I fell off the podcast for a few months. However, I remember you telling me um, come October for spooky season, you were going to play Resident Evil 4 Remake. You promised me. I'm here to remind you with new DLC out uh, now, now is the time. Please don't let me down. All hope, uh, and I hope all is well. Um, OG man, I'm gonna be insanely honest with you. I am definitely not going to play Resident Evil 4 remake this this year, and I have good reason for why I'm not going to. Do I want to? Yes. Am I going to? Absolutely not. This year has been so goddamn jam packed with good games. I simply don't have time. I still want to play Starfield. I'm not even done with Starfield yet. I got the Sonic DLC to do. I'm playing some other games as well. Forts is about to happen. I want to play Alan Wake. I'm sorry, Alan Wake 2 over Resident Evil 4 all fucking day. I, will I play Resident Evil 4 eventually? Yes. But will I put it over Alan Wake 2? No fucking chance. Sonic Superstars? Sorry. Modern Warfare 3? I, I'm sorry, man. There's just too much happening all way too fast. I don't have time for Resident Evil 4 this, this year. In addition to that, even if I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to take on more games than I can, than I can chew, bite off more than I can chew. I cannot justify it. Right now, I am in the thralls of of, of building a home. Uh, it, it fucking sucks. I have no time and no money. I, I have to I have to basically not spend money. Like I, we're talking about Denny's here because it's the only fucking place I can get a meal for under fifty bucks. No, I, like I, I like I for the first time for the first time since college, I'm having to like budget myself on like what I can spend on games this fall. Usually, I'm blessed and fortunate enough that you know being a childless adult with a with a career i'm able to just be like yeah i mean whatever game comes out this fall that i want to get i'll just buy it when it comes out because i want to play it but uh this year i'm like the house stuff has got me in a situation where it's like i gotta be very i gotta very be very judicious with my with my discretionary spending and my free time i just i just i don't there's just no way to do it all so resident evil 4 at, at the beginning of the year when i didn't know i was going to be buying a house and moving at the end of this year i thought sure but now I got to be really careful about what I buy and play. And so, the, the listen, the remainder of the year, the only the last three games I can buy this year, Sonic Superstars, Alan Wake 2, Modern Warfare 3. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. That's just how it goes. So Resident Evil 4, we're punting you to 2024. Hopefully next Halloween things are different and we can... Well, yeah, things will be different. I, do, I, don't, I don't anticipate to be buying another house next fall. So... Dude, I, I, I can't fucking wait for that stuff to be done. You have no idea, man. They put the drywall in this week. I'm, I'm so ready for it to be done. I just I'm, Not even because it's like, I'm so excited to move into my first house. Like, I am. I'm trying not to let it, like, pass, like, how blessed and how exciting and, and ex like, awesome this experience is. But at the same time, it's so stressful. And it, it eats up so much of my, my, my time and my energy and my mental capacity that I'm, like... Put me in that fucking house. I don't care. Let's like let this be done with. I want to move. I want to be done with this so I can go back to my life. But um, OG man, thank you for writing in. Thank you for being back, man. You know what? Do what you gotta do. Sometimes you fall off. Sometimes you come back. Sometimes you stay a while. Sometimes you. 
What's the name of the other podcast, OG Man? Who are you listening to? Is it those goddamn Xbox Two guys? I'm just one host. I can't compare. I, I, can't, I can't compete with two men, okay? It doesn't matter how many how many fish I catch. I can't compete with both of them. Anyway, let's move on with our lives. OG Man, hope you're doing well, and uh, I hope I hope my response doesn't cause you to, to, to cast me aside again for another couple months. But either way, God damn, I hope you keep it up. You look really good with that beard. I'm assuming you wear a beard. I don't know, but you look really good with that beard. Arctic Chief writes in with the uh, his other comment that I read second, even though he wrote this one in first. Hey, guys, man, it's been months since moving into my house. Ha- oh, look at this. Arctic Chief here making my point for me. Since moving into my house, I have had no time for gaming. I moved on a- back in August, and I haven't played. I, I have played. Sorry. And I have played two matches of Fortnite since then. So since August, you have played two matches of Fortnite. It's just been so busy here. Aside from that, I'm a fan of digital games more than physical games nowadays because you got to install them anyway. So what's the point? I will say that when I get physical copies with a special or deluxe edition that comes with goodies, you know, it's a nice incentive. Uh, when it comes to Halo or Zelda games, I'll get the legendary editions for the statues and extras that come with them to display. My backlog is filling up more and more. I had to start Assassin's Creed Valhalla still. Well, now you got to start Assassin's Creed Mirage, dude. Uh, I need to beat Tears of the Kingdom. Haven't even faced the single boss yet. I'm <laughs> I'm eight weeks behind on Destiny 2 Season of the Witch. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivors, I'm like two hours in. And I, I finally, I haven't gotten to Starfield yet. But honestly, at this point, I may wait for Xbox mods only for cosmetics. Apologize for the long comment. Hope all is good and have a good week. And until next time, kissy emoji. Oh, my God. Arctic Chief, first of all, you don't got to be sorry for shit. Welcome back. I hope it was a beautiful move. I hope it went smoothly. I hope it's gone well, and I hope it was worth it. I hope you guys love the house. I hope your family's settled and adjusted well. And uh, I hope, you know, all the stress and the, and the pain was, was, was worth it in the end. Now, that being said, yeah, boy, you got some gaming to do. So get back to work. I'm whipping. Uh, get, get back to work. Please, for love of God, you can start by dropping Star Wars Jedi Survivor. You don't need it. Uh, you can drop Assassin's Creed Valhalla and uh, Tony Hawk's Tears of the Fallen Kingdom. Just drop them all. Forget about them. All you got to do is go on over to Starfield and just play that for 50 to 100 hours, and you're good. You caught up on everything. It's really all you got to do. And then, of course, in a couple weeks, be sure to pick up Alan Wake 2 and Sonic Superstars. Please and thank you. Arctic Chief, I hope you're doing well. Making your case again for the physical versus digital games. God damn, I thought we were done with that. But anyway... Congrats on the house. Congrats on life. Hope you're doing well. And I hope that uh, you have had... Listen, man, when you move, I I assume it's stressful, right? You can't be making home-cooked meals when all your pots and pans are in boxes, right? So you're probably living off some, like, takeout and fast food for a little while there. So maybe you want to comment in, let us know about what kind of food you've been eating while you were in the moving process. I want to know, was Taco Bell in the conversation? Did you have Taco Bell during the move? If so, what did you order? Have you tried the new chicken rollers? I don't think they're that good, but hey, Taco Bell's Taco Bell, I guess. So let me know what you think. All right, and our final comment of the week comes from none other than Sam Frito Burrito Wannabito. Love Sam Frito. So we always save him for last because the best goes last. Jesse, great show. From manual transmissions to the CMA to Jim Ryan to pumpkin praline pancakes. You deserve A-plus news, opinions, reflections, etc. Denny's used to have a place in my cheapskate heart, but they let the 2468 menu collapse and stopped cleaning their restaurants. Amen. They small they, they small. They smell awful, but I will go to our I will go to ours to try the pumpkin praline pancakes. What are you talking about? I I retracted NDT message, so 
I don't get an NDA from NDT again because he doesn't lick nuts. He kicks nuts as per his publicist. We are lucky yams don't steal pumpkin spotlights. That's an alternative. That's an alternate history for a seriously twisted Twilight Zone. What am I missing? NDT? Dude, I'm so, I'm so exhausted right now. I my brain my brain's fried, which is just uh, an excuse for why I'm stupid. Sam Frito. I have no idea what the fuck the two, four, six, and eight menu was, but I assume it was a menu of items for two, four, and six, and eight dollars. That sounds damn good. I'm sure that's something that was lost along with COVID because now price gouging is the new norm and nothing can cost a normal amount of money except for Cracker Barrel, which we maybe get to next week's podcast. But thank you for writing in. I hope you enjoyed those pancakes. Let me know what you thought of them. I, I'm glad everyone had a lot to say about Denny's. Um, I never know what kind of conversations are going are gonna to stick. So it's always interesting to see what kind of things I say on this podcast that people are like, oh, well, let me write in about that. But I'm glad of, of, of all the things it could have been, it was Denny's. So thank you all for writing in. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being here. Remember to buy your games physical or digital. It doesn't matter which way, as long as you're happy at the end of the day. Remember to look both ways before crossing the street. And if you have small children, be sure to take them by the hand. And until next week, eat well, be well, empower your dreams. <laughs>